Hey everyone, welcome to episode 28 of Fly Cool Shit. Before we get started with the awesome episode with Mike Goulian, uh, I want to do a little housekeeping and uh, give you guys some info that David Prather sent us. Uh, shout out to David Prather about uh, their chapters contest coming up in April here. IAC 25 Houston welcomes y'all to the 2021 early bird contest in beautiful Edna, Texas on the 23rd and 24th of April. Contest Airport 26 Romeo has a newly paved runway, plenty of hangar space, which is complimentary with the contest registration. That's pretty cool. The box will be open the weekend before and Thursday before the contest for practice, coaching, and box marking. We'll have dinner Friday evening at the airport. Hotels are available in Edna and nearby Ganado. Don't worry about renting a car. There will be plenty of locals to share rides. Registration is $150 for all categories except primary, which is $125. For details and first-time competitors, contact David Prather via Facebook, Instagram, or phone number uh, 281-467-5403. Give him a call or a text. And uh, if you guys know the deal, register at IAC.org. Thanks, David, for uh, sending us that info. Uh, for anybody that's listening, any contest directors, local, regional, or otherwise, national, um, and you guys want some info put out uh, that has you know kind of a timely manner on it, we're happy to um, make that available on the podcast. So uh, reach out to Jeff or myself um, whenever you guys want. If you guys have anything that needs, that needs to be put out there to the world, to our eight listeners, we're happy to do it. Without further ado, enjoy episode 28. Welcome to Fly Cool Shit, the show where Jeff Petro and Mark Pollard talk about aerobatics, unique airplanes, aviation news, and so much more. Hey pilot, you're clear to enter the box. Smoke on. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Fly Cool Shit. What's up, Jeffy P? Not much, my buddy. Dude, this is episode 28, but I feel like we need to, we, we really got to name it episode 99. <laughs> You're so corny. Now, I was going to say, there actually, was, there actually was a little bit that happened this week. You know, we like to lead off with a little bit of uh, irrelevant talk. Yeah. And, you know, I was working at one of the coffee shops on Friday. Yeah, I think it was Friday. And it's such a, a lot of people don't realize it's hard being a barista. It's hard because every coffee shop makes a drink differently and they want this and that. And then I'm around all these like 21 year olds or 18 year olds. And they got all these like sayings like, what is, do you know what woke means? This woke, I haven't, I didn't look it up yet. I mean, but I thought it meant like waking up in the morning. That's how I use it. Like and I my, my kids are like, what? Yeah, it's so <laughs> It's tough. And they all shop at like Whole Foods, which I like Whole Foods, but I'm a Costco guy through and through. I like Costco. I like Costco. I, I love Whole Foods though. There. I get my pants there. I get my steaks there. I get my almond butter there. <laughs> so you're, Costco. so you, uh, you, you're flossing like a boss though and head to do Costco. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. I wanted to have yeah. my party there. Your party. Just eat, eat pizza party. and hot dogs and yogurt. Part, party with Mr. Kirkland. There you go. Mr. Kirkland. <laughs> Yeah, I'm yeah, just man. trying to retain like I'm like, yeah, I'm not excited tonight. No big deal. No, this is just nothing. nothing to be excited about. Should we no. should we just uh, um let the world know the honorable guest for tonight's podcast? Do we need is? to? I think they're just gonna recognize it. Should we give some subtle well, you already gave it away with ninety nine. I mean asshole. Everybody better know what that means, right? Yeah. We got Mikey G on the show. 
What is up, boys? I was wondering when you were going to stop talking about Costco and start talking about airplanes. Isn't that what this is all about? Let's do it. Let's do it. Mikey G, welcome to the podcast. Glad to be here, even though it is after Chapman. I thought you'd have me before Chapman, but whatever. I guess you have to drag the bottom of the barrel first, right? <laughs> let's get right into it okay so jeff you bring up an excellent excellent uh you you segued this talking about millennial talk should we call this episode the clapback because we have mikey g on here for the clapback right i i mean i'm i'm kind of liking it i always talk about how we need to build up drama in the sport and we gotta you know create rivalry we have some real drama here now we got some, you know, this is WWF style. Yeah. You know how I love the WWF. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. But yeah. I mean, Mike, what were your, when you listened to the podcast about Chapman, you know, besides your ears bleeding, I mean, were you just like in a fit of rage? Like, cause you're from Boston, you're hardcore. Were you in a gang when you were younger? Cause there's gangs well, up there, right? So I'm here listening to this thing <laughs> and I'm like, listen to the crap that is coming out of Chapman's mouth. And I'm like, first of all, it's taken him well, – obviously, he hasn't even gotten over it yet because now whatever it is, 20 years later, he's still talking about it. But that's okay. <laughs> and uh, so let me tell you exactly how it really happened. So his side of the story is actually pretty accurate. Okay. Uh, but he leaves out half of it. So I'm – you know, I learned to fly aerobatics in a decathlon. Uh, I bought this pits and I'm flying intermediate. I'm doing pretty well, having a good time making friends yep. i go out to this contest in donegal springs uh, which is near harrisburg pennsylvania how would you describe there. donegal springs it's just you describe a little it by smell now, or by sight? yeah to, no by <laughs> but you can never see it because it the runway blends in with the with all of the farm <laughs> the fields fumes. but you can definitely smell it absolutely <laughs> um, terrible. it is so rank it yeah, it's ter- it's, it's horrible. So I but show then up after at this the second place. day. You forget smelling it. You, don't really you do totally. I think day. your clothes smell like it and everything else. It's horrible. Yeah. Um, but it's a you know it is sort of a field of dreams, right? It's a grass airport. You kind of hang out and sit on the grass, watch people fly aerobatics. I'm like, doesn't get much better. Uh, it was no. really it was fun. But uh, so I show up and I don't know who Matt Chapman is, and nor do I really care, right? I'm just like there to fly. Fly a contest. It was it's fun. I came down from Boston and uh, yeah. this this cool monoplane of which I probably had not even seen one yet shows up with Remax written all over it and I'm oh, like geez. oh that's a that's a cool airplane. Who is that guy? And like I have no idea. Little do I know that he already hates me and I've never even met this clown. Right. So it's like, <laughs> I have no idea. Yeah. So I still didn't. Like, I flew this contest, no big deal, and I finished second, and I go home. And Were you pissed about being in second? I mean, I would be pissed. I'd be pissed. You know, it, it's so far back, I don't remember, other than I remember, like, man, the guy has a sponsor. Must be a big yeah. shot, right? I have no idea. Clear, and I knew he was from Pennsylvania, so I get it, right? The whole local yeah. guy thing. And I mean, you had so to have watched home. him flying, and you were like, I flew better than that guy. What is this guy? Like, I'm – lights out. <laughs> well, I mean, I've been saying that for 25 years, but that's never gotten anything. So so I get home, and here's what old <laughs> Matt Chapman doesn't tell you is that 
we both got a call from the contest director not but maybe a few weeks later and do you guys know jerry gerties does that name ring a bell to you guys no i thought it was larry bayshore no it, it was jerry gerties i think who was the well so it was larry and and jerry and those were the guys that would run the chapter down there and i we got a phone call from one of the two of them and it was like hey michael yeah and i i could have sworn it was jerry because i think he was the chief judge and he's like i feel really bad but i have to tell you you actually won that contest and oh I boy like, i did and they said don't worry it will come out in the magazine as you as the winner but we made a mistake you guys may or may not remember tbl that's for the normalizing system so if there was over a certain amount of pilots they had to tbl the scores well they didn't tbl the scores and they should have so after they realized their mistake they re-ran all of the scores and i had won Oh, wow. And I have the letter from the... I've tried to get my wife to find the letter. It's in one of those scrapbook Come on, things. Karen. And it's like, dear Mike... <laughs> yeah, exactly. Thanks a lot. It's like, dear Michael, blah, blah, blah. You were the winner of the such and such contest at this time in this place. And then they're like, and Matt will send you your trophy. And I'm like... Oh, boy. Okay. So now, 10 or 15 years later, I'm at Chapman's house... And I, I'm staying over at his house. We're going to go do a training camp. And I walk in <laughs> to his I love me room. And there is my trophy sitting on his wall just with he all of his other cut. And I'm like, you scumbag. That's my trophy. <laughs> give give me my trophy. He's like, take don't it you off. dare take that trophy. Like, give me my trophy. Oh, That's my trophy. Wall. You never sent it to me. And it was glued to the wall amongst all of his other you know, third place, fifth place, ninth place, eleventh place trophies. Would you say up that, along the Would you say there. that that's the greatest achievement of your life? I Absolutely, mean, I, one of the greatest ones. <laughs> and, I, I and think so. To this day, I won that contest. I beat him fair and square in his fancy monoplane. And guess what? I still don't have the damn trophy. Now you might have. You got to sneak uh, into his house and get that thing. Yeah. But well, there, there's actually. There's a good part to the story that I don't know if you know, but I did some research on that. Well, actually, Mitch, our producer, sent me over to stuff via email. And uh-huh. uh, Mitch said that after that contest, he Remax dropped him. Um, you know, he lost his Remax sponsorship after you beat him in that contest. So I don't well, know if that I, makes you feel any I, better. I think the Remax thing was connected to the girlfriend. And that's the <laughs> other thing that makes me feel even better that I didn't know. But during that weekend, which really, if you know Matt, would have made him so mad. Apparently, his girlfriend loved my hair, and she told him that she wanted to run her fingers through my hair, which I think is the greatest <laughs> thing ever. So, and I don't know if you guys know this, but Chapman and I are the greatest of friends. And um, even though we didn't start off as such, and he was in my wedding and the whole thing, and, and we're great friends, but today... I have that over. I'm like, your girlfriend had the hots for me at the first contest, and I kicked so your ass. I had a great every weekend. Time, every time do you? Every time you see Chapman, do you just like run your fingers through your hair and wink at him? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, would you say you have the best hair in the air show game? Man, I don't know. I think he does actually. I, it used to be I would have not given it to you, Mike. But then Philip Steinbeck cut his ponytail off, and like he did, just, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, I saw so Philip you... like last year, and I didn't even recognize him. 
Like, who the right? fuck is that guy? He looks completely different play. without the ponytail. He's full-blown he, American now. He totally he's is. Like crew cut everything. <laughs> oh <my God>. so, <laughs> so that is the true story of the Matt Chapman, Mikey G encounter for the first time at Donegal Springs. You heard it His here girlfriend loves me and I kicked his ass. But other than that... <laughs> You'll have to have Chapman on again for a third time so he can actually tell you the truth. <laughs> I think we um, – no, we need to get like a um, unbiased reviewer who is – we got to do some research. I tried – I did a little bit of research and the con- I couldn't find the archive for that contest. But we got to find somebody who was at that contest to to give the, uh, the judges ruling on that. <laughs> Imagine if there was a video of the flying. How cool would that be? Listen, I will find oh, that, that letter – and I will send it to you guys, and you can post it. Deal. If you, you that's something that should go on the. Um, I think I messaged you on Facebook, Mike. That's something that would go on that eBay. That eBay auction was hysterical. <laughs> I loved it. I loved every yeah. bit of it. And like, if you put that letter on, he would, you and him would probably bid it up to like five figures. Oh to, my god! Just to get it. <laughs> it would cost a lot of money to get that out of my hands because Chapman's going to be 85 years old in a nursing home and I'm going to bring that letter to him. Yeah. Like, do you well, remember you when that one? Do you remember this? You want to raise money for the IAC, Jim Burke. Get the letter from <laughs> 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 Oh my God. Speaking of which, you're on the, uh, you're on the board or you're something. I am. Something. I am. That's cool, um, dude. You're like, it EA is. Are you sure about bridge? that? No, I am not. You you tell yeah you you tell us. Um, I think it's one of those. Uh, so I was wondering, things. I was wondering where this was going to go um, tonight, yeah. and I guess we can start there. We're, yeah, we're so, going to take all kinds of wild turns tonight. Oh no, actually, my God. we should we should actually we should time out from that because we're we're still in the era like the gold marks. Mark and okay. I love this era of aerobatics. Oh so, yeah, yeah. Let's let's yeah, we'll, let's try to fo- follow some chronological order on this. Because um, yeah, that yeah. that era of of competition and air shows, like you know, man. I mean, there's there's probably so many times in your career, Mike, that you look back. Like, you know, we were just talking about Red Bull off air, where you you look back and you're just like golden era, like that'll never happen again, never happen again. And um, I feel like you're so fortunate to see so many of these just golden eras of of whatever you were doing and whatever you were involved in. Like back then, that era of competition and then air show aerobatics was so cool. Yeah, yeah. I think you know, as I think about it, right? I, I, like, I've I've talked to Clint McHenry. I'm sure you guys know who Clint McHenry is. And oh yeah, um, yeah. Clint. Like he lived in through the golden age of airliner flying, right? Started on a DC three. Um, he went through all of the pistons, DC sixes, and everything, and then went into the jet era, all that, and then into the big wide bodies at Eastern. He he did it all, and I'm like, man, if you were going to be an airline pilot, that was the time to do it, right? Yeah, I mean, he you got to do all yeah. that stuff, and I think honestly. The guys like Matt and I and Patty and Kirby and Dave and Martin, uh, yeah, we saw John all Nash. that, right? Like, yeah, we, we we were. I remember when an S two B showed up at the first contest in in um, Jaffrey, New Hampshire. We we're like, oh my god, that thing is awesome! And now you know they're giving them away on the internet, right? Like, the the S two B was so great, and then the you watched the extra two thirties come around and then the, and then really edges and sucloids and all of that stuff and and then to watch the way the flying has changed over the years has been unbelievable and so yeah i feel lucky to sort of have been 
a, a small part of it and then really to sort of sit on the sidelines and watch the whole thing too and and even did, from did like a military perspective i didn't it was um it was a dream it's one of those things i have a dream to own an extra 230 and a pitts s1s and matt matt's building an s1s and he's like i flew that makes one. me so happy to hear that you want a 230 because i would love to see you do some video in a two. Oh my gosh i think it's such a cool cool airplane it is, to me it's the it, it's like a spaceship and i can tell you so i don't know how many people know but my my mom and dad owned a flight school and and that's how we made our living and and we didn't make much of one you know and i learned to fly aerobatics because i watched cloud dancer when i was home for, sick from school right oh that was, wow I watched, you know, Charlie Hillard and Gene Susan oh, yeah. and, and Tom Pobresny fly those airplanes. And I was like, that seems like something I want to do. And But we didn't have any money to do that. And uh, I, I I started flying aerobatics when I was still a student pilot and in a decathlon. And then got lucky enough where I bought my first pits for 12000 bucks, and I had to get a loan for it. My old man, my dad, he's like, I am not going to basically sort of fund this here's the deal you have to pay for the fuel you have to pay for the insurance and you have to pay for the airplane and then i'll pay for the maintenance because he wanted me to sort of he wanted to know that i wanted it right that it was just not going to get sure. given to me and and yeah, yeah we this didn't is, have a lot of this is know, the i want a dog this is the i want a dog but you better clean up after it that's exactly right yeah and, and you know and and we didn't have a lot yeah. of money, but we had a lot of resources in other ways, right? We had we had maintenance staff and uh, mechanics to work on the plane, and I lived around pilots, and I, I lived at the airport every day, all day. That's what I did from when I was 15 years old. So I was super lucky in that regard. And, and um, Jeff, a name you probably know pretty well, Ian Groom. Um, oh, yeah. So I flew a contest – in montgomery new york and i can remember it was like it was yesterday and my my dad's name is myron everybody thinks his name was mike but his real name was myron even though i'm michael but um ian so my dad and my mom were there and ian was there with his um his girlfriend then wife mimi and i were sitting there after the contest and he and ian's like myron you have to buy your kid an extra 230 because he's going places and i can remember oh, my yeah. dad my wow. dad look my dad looks at ian he goes ian an extra 230 is eighty five thousand dollars where am i going to get eighty five thousand dollars right and and that Seriously. was it was really funny and and uh i remember that conversation like it was yesterday and i went down to pump and aware center to learn to fly a little bit with randy gagne um and probably like when i was uh intermediate getting ready to fly into advance and i remember clint mchenry came home from a contest on a sunday night when we were there and, then extra, and oh my god and the 230 pulls up on the ramp and they put it in the hangar and it had the end hangar at pac and there was a wooden plaque at the back and it said the the difference between men and boys are the price of their toys and i still have a picture <laughs> of of that airplane in the hangar on on my first trip to pump and wear center and to this day you know i don't know it's it's just it's that airplane is untouchable to me i realize i fly a 330 sc and what it is and all that yeah. but to me a 230 is one of those things that's like it was for me when i needed one or wanted one or whatever you want to call it it was an unachievable goal 
Right, yeah. right. And Let me ask you this, because uh, Jeff has really turned me on to this idea, and it was something I never really thought about um, consciously until he, he made comment to it. And that is it the 200 matter. horsepower. <laughs> that is the 200 horsepower <laughs> rule, and then kind of seeing the 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 um, the death of the 200 horsepower um, aerobatic oh, airplane. This is a perfect topic. Perfect you know, topic. yeah, and like and, and going to you know 300 horsepower, 330 horsepower, and then obviously bumping those numbers up with modded engines and, and going crazy. But um, I really do, I, you know, I I start to to fawn over the 200 horsepower era. You know, like the likes of Leo and when Matt Chapman was flying the laser and, and the, you know, extra 230s and the pits and, and whatnot. Um, what do you what do you think about that era specifically or that, you know, that, that type of airplane specifically? And then how that's kind of changed. And, and you know, I, I almost I, I look back at it and I, I kind of feel like the flying really showed truer because there was a lack of horsepower. You had to really fly the shit out of those airplanes. Whereas now, I mean, you still got to fly the shit out of these airplanes, but the horsepower can really take you through some pretty amazing things. Um, but I mean, I, I mean, I look at Leo, Leo's routine now and I'm, I'm blown away. Um, what are your thoughts on all that? Yeah, that's a, it's a, it's a good question. It's a good topic. We could probably talk about forever. You know, um, no matter what airplane you're going to fly, the best are still going to win. Right? Yeah, and and so amen. No, when, when, <laughs> like when you when you look at Leo, I mean, and you know, and if somebody asked Michael, what what was your inspiration uh, to fly the way that you do? It's from Leo, right? Because Leo, in my mind, was of like on the cutting edge of perfection all of the time. So aggressive so perfect, so driven, so wanted to win, right? And that's sort of the way that I, I have tried to live my aerobatic life. Um, the, so, oh, man. Um, so, like, we are where we are. Might... So I was just going to say, my I'm... take on it is that without the 200 horsepower rule, if it went back into effect, I think it would spur a lot more people to move up into unlimited. I think it killed the unlimited category. So Because everybody stayed. Yeah, so let, let's go. Just go back to like, all right, two hundred horsepower airplanes. So, uh, I think the sport was better back then because it wasn't so physically demanding, right? Yeah, so, yeah, that's to, a good important to, point, right? So that like today, man, I'm I'm here practicing, getting ready for the season, and, and like it's hard, like to fly a three thirty SC. As hard as you can, it's a huge challenge. And then you watch the unlimited sequences of today. I mean, I think even advanced now, they just have too much negative, too many multiple negative flicks and all of that stuff. And and it's becoming a test of your head, right? Like how how hard can I fly? How well can I fly and not get the wobblies, right? And, I, and I, to me – So I'm like definitely afraid of the wobblies. Definitely yeah, aren't we all, right? So, so like, how do you like practice? You, you have to like, you have to practice, Wait. right? And and you can't, unlimited is no law. It's not a hobby. It can't be a hobby, right? It has right. to be your job. And I've been arguing that forever. I, I feel like that's a profession. That's a professional category. It is. And, and I, I think to me, it's just the amount of like negative flicks and, and 
um, super hard pushes that are the problem. And even in advance now, and, and so many of my friends have been affected by the Wobblies over the years that, again, I realize the sport has to advance. I, I, I think it's amazing when you watch, you know, Rob Holland fly today or Goody, people that are really good and unlimited. It's pretty awesome to watch. Um, yeah. But again, you know, they're, they're, they're one three-quarter negative flick at 130 knots away from getting the wobblies, right? I mean, that's what it is. Right. Uh, yeah. So I think the 200-horsepower era was awesome in that uh, you didn't probably have anywhere near as much as of that um, as you do today. And But it started, you know, I talked to Sergei Boriak. It started in the Sukhoi, right? And, and Sergei tells a story before, like a month before the... 1988 World Aerobatic Championships, Sergey was flying an SU-29 and got the wobblies and they didn't know what to do. They put him in a dark room for like two days, right? They just didn't, they didn't know. <laughs> such the Russian thing to do. I was right? going like, to say, that's the most Russian thing I've ever just, heard. Just sit in a chair with your eyes closed for two, for two days. And, and um, so it started even back in the late 80s or yeah, like, yeah, late 80s when the Sukhoi was really starting to come around. Um, and so that's where we're at today, right? It's a, it's a physical test yeah. as much as it is an airplane test. And that's, I think that's the hard part for the sport is that it is so demanding on the pilots that you've got to be super proficient, which costs a ton of money. Yeah. yeah. Do you and think that we've, too, is like, Go ahead, Jeff. you're from the Northeast like me and you know, we have six months at best of flying weather unless you bring your plane down someplace nice and then you got to commute you know if you have a, a job non-aviation so like there's really not a big training window and you need at least a day and a half two days to get some negative g stamina so like it's really hard to even start trying to even fly unlimited that's my struggle. well so um i mean we're now we're, go we're going to start to talk about competitions and all that stuff like for me i started training in march but I never really had I, – I, I looked at my flying as, as an athlete. So I said I want to peak at that point for Fond du Lac or for the Nationals, right? So yeah. everything that I did up, at that, up until that point was just getting stronger, more proficient, better. So when I got to the, to the big contest – I was physically ready. So I think you see a lot of people out Love there it. today fly sequence after sequence after sequence after sequence after sequence in April. Burn out. They're dead, right? Yeah. You get to July and they're they're So they don't look at it as an athlete. So I think for me, um, you know, and I would be like day number one, I do one push. Day number one in the afternoon, I do a push and an outside turn. And then, you know, and it would just very, very, and then I'd fly three days and take a day off. And it would very slowly it would very slowly build literally over a period of months and to the point where I flew without any thought of my head, not until like late July, early August. And you have all the notes for this, right? I do. Still your notebooks. Yep. What would you, yep. what would you auction those? I mean, it's oh my like, gosh. I, I, so, I, I um, <laughs> so like, <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people, when I put that up there, a lot of people said, can I buy it? And can I, and I'm like, look at you, you, one, you don't want it because it, it's for, well, it's, it's, it's for me, right? Yeah. It's, it's personal like, to you. It's person. And it's how I fly, right? Like if you said, yeah. Hey, Tiger Woods, 
how do you hit a draw with a seven iron off of a downhill lie? He'll be like, well, I do that, I do that, I do that, I do that. Well, it doesn't mean anything to the next guy, right? So every time I flew a practice flight with Sergey, I wrote down an entire page of notes on every flight. It was, you know, Warrington, Virginia. It was 85 degrees. It was this wind. I flew at this RPM. Uh, I, I flew this sequence. This was the altitude loss. And it felt like this. I did that. These are the mistakes I made. These are the tendencies I had. And so when I got to, and I could, rem at the end of the year, I could remember every single one of those flights, right? And then we did yeah. all of these, what I talked about, single line unknown maneuver slums, right? So we would do slums all year long. And so when I got to a, an unknown, I'm like, oh, how do I do an outside half, flat, uh, half flick from the top? Like, oh, well, you're going to, you could, you know, I just go to my book and I'd be like, you're going to start at 15 degrees nose high with left rudder, half throttle. Like, so there was no guessing involved, yeah. right? At like, well, that meticulous for each, yeah. That book? yeah. Has Chapman ever tried to get his hands on that book? Uh, I have to tell you, <laughs> nobody knew this book existed. Oh, shit. This is like that almanac in Back to the Future where it's just like, yeah. holy shit! I know all the all the World Series winners. Like, like this is this is the uh, the holy grail right here. Yeah, so that oh that's God. how I did it, and I honestly I did that in the Rebel Air race as well, right? And, and so, Hell yeah, um, that's how we Pablo and I did everything in the air race. We have pages and pages and pa oh my God, Pablo would literally have a hundred pages of notes before the race. And a hundred pages of notes during the race that we took. Oh, we he's have, such a nerd. He's I love a Pablo. huge nerd. He's yeah. a huge nerd. Um, <laughs> more power to him. I wish I was more right? of a nerd. I, I I love people like Pablo. He's he's a great great human being and he, he so smart. Awesome. Yeah. So what? Like a lot of aerobatics for me is it's feels and and sounds and stick movements and uh, and that that's just how I approach it and. Um, we, well, I mean, I, we, I wanted to talk a little bit about judging and, and I don't know, you guys had a podcast the other day and you're talking about critiquing and this and that and, um, and you know, it's probably wrong sort of like, said. no, no, like it, it's funny. So I, uh, like I go to a critique day and it's, and it's, it's fun. Right. But honestly, to me, it doesn't help a bit. If I go out and watch one of you guys, I'm like, Oh, you're positive up. You overrolled. You barreled this. You uh, you flew over the top. You slid back on that. You're a little negative. You're like, okay, great. That doesn't help you, right? Yeah. Like, so I, when I the way I look at it is like, hey, I'm a human being. I'm gonna make some mistakes. Yeah. Every flight, every flight I make, I'm gonna make a mistake. Okay, I or or two or three or five or ten, right? My job is to make sure that the judges don't see them. And when I fly a contest or flew contests, my job was to essentially do a couple of things. One of them was to paint a picture in the sky. Right? And I would sit on the ground and I would look at the box and I would imagine exactly what I wanted the plane to do and look like and where it would be in the box and then also the impact that it would have on the judges, right? So yeah. you're, so everybody thinks they fly for a rule book. You don't fly for a rule book. You fly 
to beat everybody else. But what I did, so our job was like from the way that I taxied out to how I took off to how I made the turn out of the off the runway to the wing wags to everything was made to essentially intimidate the judges, intimidate the judges to make to make you wanted to dare them to give you a bad score. Right. And so like, yeah, I'm going to overroll. Of course, I'm going to be a little positive, a little negative. Of course, I'm going to twist a hammer, a, uh, a tail side a little bit. Of course, my roller is not going to be perfect. All of those things that happens every flight. But what sure. you do is the way that you act on the ground, in the air, the way you fly the plane, your job is to intimidate the judges to make them second guess the score that you're going to give you, right? And and like so, because they have to give you the I, benefit of the doubt. They, yeah, yeah, right. And, and the the better the better you are, the more consistent you are, the better the better you are at at doing that. And so yeah, so like it, with Sergey. Or like we to, just to talk about how how we would practice, right? So you take advantage of every day. So hey, there's a 25 knot wind down the X. We'd be like, okay, today's going to be hammerheads. Michael, I want you to pull up at the end of the box, and I'll tell you what looks what looks vertical. Okay, you pull up from 200 knots, and what looks vertical with a 25 knot wind pushing you about a three degree positive line. What looks positive with a 25 knot tailwind, like a three or five degree negative line. So is that in the rule book? No. Is every judge listening yeah. to this going to say, Oh, that's ridiculous. And no, no, that like, yep, you can all say it what yep. you want. And I'm telling you now the best guys, the only time they're flying a vertical line is in front of the straight in front of the judge on the yeah. x-axis. In front. Like if you're trying to fly a perfect vertical line at either end of the box with a wind, you're in trouble. Yeah. Like you're like you're losing control of the picture, right? And so the whole yeah. positive negative thing is so like yeah, it's great for training, um, but for me, it's more like, hey, today we're gonna go do round circles. Today, we're going to do vertical lines. Today, we're going to do hammerhead pivots. Today, we're going to do spin entries. And then every once in a while, you put them into a sequence. But people go out there and they pound away and pound away and pound oh, they away. Blow their brains sequence, out. sequence, 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 sequence. And they never get any better because you're not working on pieces and parts. So that's my yeah. soapbox. Love it. So you're, you're in this Pitts S1S. You just beat the crap out of Matt Chapman at a contest. You're living a high life. Then you move to a, an S1T because the, the 230 was just too much money. Is that why? Uh, yeah. So I had I had an S1C. That was a nice T. I yeah. Had, yeah, I had an S1. I had an S1C, and then I had the S1S, um, which I bought from Pompano Air Center and, and Clint McHenry. Flew that for a couple of years, and then went to the S1T, which was I bought from Sheila Johnson who also flew unlimited at like 17 years old. She flies F-15s now. Um, Jeez. Wow. She Would you like awesome. better, the S1S or the S1T? So I loved the T. The T was the airplane for me. I realized a lot of people kind of poo-poo on that they're a little heavy and the wing loading's too high. Yeah. Um, it was funny. When I got my S1T, Clint McHenry sat me down in his office and he's like, Michael, here's the deal. 
if you ever have the airspeed below the red line in an S1T, you're going too slow. And I'm like, okay, Clint. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, and that was the way you had to fly a T. You had to just keep the thing smoking fast the entire time. Yeah. Packed with um, energy. Yeah. Yeah. Because it and just. You, it, you won the advanced uh, nationals with that thing. I did. Yeah. I loved yeah. it. That's freaking awesome, man. I absolutely loved it. And uh, How was I that felt like I was born like, in that thing. So, like, real quick, like, in maybe, like, elevator pitch. How'd that contest go? Known, it was known free and unknown, right? I mean, Correct. did you win all yep. three flights? Was there a little um, bit of, like, were you not leading the whole time? Did you have to I, You know, now I, I can't remember, but Ron Cadby was my coach. And, you know, I was the kid, right? I was, like, I don't know what the heck I was, 19 or 20 years old. And Tom Jesus. Adams and, and um, all of those, Dick Bladder and Dan McGarry and all of those guys were there. Uh, was all that your the, first time at nationals? It was my second time, I think, and um, and I was, I think memory. I was winning, and I must have been winning after the second flight going into the unknown because for the unknown there was a crossover spin, and it was like an inverted, it was an inverted like one and a half or one and a quarter from upright, and I can remember Tom Adams and all of those guys, they're all in a huddle talking about how they're going to do this like oh you pull you you have to stall it first and then the rudder and the swing those swings the other way and they're all and i can remember ron cadby my coach he goes over he grabs my shirt and he's like you don't need to listen to any of that <laughs> and uh it was the greatest thing and he he got me out of there and he's like we've done crossover spins you know how to do a crossover spin don't think twice about it go to bed coach. get some sleep and again, it was that it was one of those things, right? You get paralysis by analysis, and and that was one of my first lessons in this whole way of flying aerobatics was Cadby going, "Hey, you know how to do it, just go do it. Don't like let all of those guys psych themselves out, and you're gonna go yeah. win." And I and I did, and and um, it was that was a pretty awesome day, and I have to tell you, Jeez. Tom Adams came up to me, and he was the first one to congratulate because I was, you know. All of those guys were the twenty-year veterans of of advanced and unlimited and IAC, and he was so nice to me. And uh, that was what made IAC great in those days. Is that like, hey, I was the punk kid. They didn't know me, and yeah. I came there and I won advanced, and um, you know, but I had won like literally probably. 10 out of the last 12 advanced contests I had flown, I won. So I was like, and so I remember Ian Groom. Up there smoking. Yeah, I was ready to go, right? And I can remember Ian Groom told my dad and me, and he's like, don't move to Unlimited until you win the Nationals in advanced. Because then you go from the top of advanced to near the top of Unlimited. And you see that in competition, right? There's a, you know, there's a, there's people that they're like, oh, yeah, they're 8th, 9th, 10th, 8th, 9th, 10th. And then they move from intermediate to advanced, and they're kind of still 8th, 9th, 10th. Then they move to unlimited, yeah. and they're exactly the same, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. And because you never basically build a foundation. And so I think when you get really good at your category – yeah, I don't when know you're, why people try to move up so fast. Yeah, like, I yeah. don't understand it either, right? It, it, so that's what – that was just – again, that was the – that was what was told to me by people that I respected and so that's what I did and and it seemed to work. Again, I took the long road. Today, a lot of people are 
going into unlimited in you know three years or whatever but it was different back then right so we started you went from a decathlon and then you went into a pits and then you went into another pits and then a monoplane and then the, and today you know people are going from a you know a decathlon to an extra or or right yeah, into an crazy, extra man. right for the so the learning curve it is it just is what it is right it's just different um in that regard and now you have professional coaching and all of that. So we didn't have that when we started. Sergey really was the first person that brought that to the States, right? Yeah. Yeah. Jeez Louise. Um, yeah, but we had a, um, not to keep on bringing up your, um, what should we call it? Your, I'm like drawing a blank here. The person you don't like a lot. <laughs> nemesis. Um, your nemesis. Mr. But, Chappie? You know, he, had a, he had the wobblies really bad in 98. He did. And then... I guess the Russians snuck him some steroids and fixed them up. Um, did you ever have any issues with that, you know, in, at a walk or, or getting a, t- a touch I, of the wobblies? Or I did. I did. Um, it was like three days before the Nationals, and I don't remember what year it was. What year? But it was, oh, you don't. Oh, right. like, it was probably 97 or 98, and... I was flying and feeling like Superman, right? And I can remember in in probably in the in the known at the time, it was a one and a half outside flick. And you know, I was flying a three hundred S and you guys remember you guys know that if flying a three hundred S, the window, the snap roll window on an S is pretty small, right? The speed the speed to get the elevator to work right, the speed has to be high, the technique has to be perfect because the window's so narrow. And then <laughs> I'm uh, laughing because you're so full of shit. <laughs> no, it's true. <laughs> you were so full of it. You were not snapping at one thirty or one. No, 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 no. So like uh, uh, outside, outside. So yeah. um, so I can remember. Bullshit. Shut up already. It's my story, not yours. Um, so I can remember in the in the known or whatever. There's a one and a half outside snap, and I'm hitting it at like I don't know some stupid speed. So make up a 110 knots, 110 knots. Yeah. yeah. I mean, 110 was fast. It might've been 85. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. So, (laughs) but it was like, literally it was exploding and the thing was like, so I was like, bam. And it was like, it was great. And so I came down and Sergey comes over to me and he's like, that's great, but you're going to F yourself. And I'm like, what? He's like, you are going to screw up your head. And I'm like, Sergey. I feel like I'm Superman at the moment. And he's like, yep. And that's when it happens. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. And so (laughs) literally (laughs) the next flight out, I went out in that same one and a half outside neg and I did it. And like, it was almost like a switch went off in my head. And all of a sudden I'm like, "Uh oh, I'm not sure I can land the plane and Jeez, uh, wow you couldn't shake it yeah and sergey is like i you know and sergey and i were best of buddies then and he's like you idiot i told you he's like you're done flying go home so i went back to david's house david martin's house we're, we're at their house and um i i didn't i couldn't fly for three days i went to the nationals laid on the ramp thank god i think like the first flight was probably on tuesday or something and then by that by that time it was good enough where I, you know I had a little touch of it here and there and then I never got it again and and that was the lesson so you know a lot of people think 
you get the wobblies at the beginning of the season, which I'm sure you can. But for many people, it's when you're at the height of your of your G tolerance yeah. that you, you go just the next, you know, one step more and then it happens. You're usually cautious at the beginning of the season because you know you need to work up the tolerance. It's that time where you don't you don't think about it and, and you 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 push it a little too far. Yep. Yeah, you, absolutely. What, what was it like landing though? Cause, um, uh, I mean, it was, fi- you know, it was fine. You were just dizzy, right? And, and uh, yeah, but yeah, I, I didn't get it. You know, some people have had it, as Matt said, some people have it really, really badly. And, and I just had a touch of it. So you got it um, once and then never again. Was that something again. that, oh, did, how long did it take you to gain the confidence that you, you might not get it again? Or is that something that always stuck with you? Yeah, I think it all, you know, I'm pretty, I'm pretty careful, right? And uh, right now I'm down here in Louisiana, Kevin Coleman's house. We have an aerobatic box right in the back of the hangar. And, you know, I, I've always only done two flights a day. I'm only doing two flights a day now. And the first flight is literally like, I don't know, nine minutes. And the second one's like six minutes, right? Wow. Just enough where yeah. I'm like, that's it. I feel good. And I come down and I have a pounding headache. I drink a bunch of water. Take a couple Tylenol, wait three hours, go back up and do it again for another six minutes. Right in <laughs> sure. That's crazy. That's, that's all you do. And I do that for, you know, six or seven days. Then I go home for like eight days, come back, do it for like another eight or ten days, and then go to Sun and Fun. And, um, yeah, I just really slowly build up to it. I haven't done any pushing yet at all in five days that I've been here. Just, just essentially tumbles which are like minus three right really pretty gentle yeah nothing oh so you're not you're not there coaching or training coleman you're there to uh condition yourself yep correct yeah Uh, kevin and i are both practicing getting ready to go yep cool cool um that must be super exciting to get ready for the air show season and 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 kick it off with a bang after especially after last year it's just exciting that there'll be an air show season yeah (laughs) right oh yeah the fact that there's an air show is like okay there's a season (laughs) I mean, yeah, the, the rest exactly. won't cancel, but it's like I, I, I could totally understand that. Yep. So before yep. we get into uh, kind of skip the, I want to hear about the Stautica because okay. that is there is like no <laughs> history. There is it's a short lived story. It's a short story, <laughs> and um, but there is no video. I would love. Do you have any video at home of you flying the? Because uh, you had two, probably. Of them, right? Yeah, probably. So um I'm glad we're going stuff, through dude. i'm glad we're i have to you know it's all vhs stuff i gotta like convert the damn thing i would I love to talk, see that we oh talked my gosh. to chapman about this but i don't think i don't know if there's a ton of people out there but there's certainly hundreds of like like mark and i that like obsess over like that you know being able to see some of that flying yeah because you hear so much we just weren't there but you hear so many like really cool stories yeah. from people you know and uh would be really right, i'll try to, to i'll try to get some of it converted so you guys can see it so you know i'm glad we're going through sort of like all the airplanes that i flew because there's kind of a story on how i got involved in all of them and the three, and by the way the 330 we, sc is one of the most interesting ones but go ahead sorry well and we haven't even touched on the caps right but we'll, we can talk about those two um but the Stodica. the Stodica. because Chat, chapman's chapman said that uh that you bought a cap because he had a cap but we'll get into that okay <laughs> so uh, <laughs> You know, the bad part is I know where Chapman lives, so I can kill him if I need to. There Um, you go. Hold it over his head. Right? Um, So when I won the Nationals, uh, a name you guys may or may not remember, when I won the Nationals in 1990 in advance, Lee Manelski. Does that name ring a bell to you guys? No. 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 But you're going to say Doug Masters. 
So no, yeah, not so. <laughs> Lee Manelski was this unbelievable guy, um, TWA pilot, unlimited guy, flew a monoplane, and lived in Santa Paula, California. For all I know, he lived he lived in Sammy's hangar, and I you'd have to ask Sammy. But wow. Lee Manelski, Lee Manelski was this larger than life, guy, super good looking California guy, had all the girls, airline captain, like studly dude, just, but the nicest guy in the whole world. And John Stoddicker had fixed the wing on his laser so he could come to the nationals. And so after the nationals, I flew Lee's laser. He's like, oh, you, you, you got to fly my laser. Okay, I flew it. It was fine. I didn't really love it. I flew it. I flew Patty's 230 earlier that year and just was in love with that thing. But then um, John Stoddicker had the prototype uh, airplane there, the black and white one, my first one. And Lee went to Stoddicker and said, you need to get this kid in your plane. And again, it was sort of like, it literally, it started with Ian Groom. And Ian was the one that got me involved with training with Patty and Clint McHenry and Tom Jones and Ron Cadby. Um, and then, wow, and the, like, Lee, really, I owe so much of the beginning of my career to Ian. And then when I go to, and then to Patty, because Patty and I became super close friends and we supported each other through all the competition stuff and um, and then when you, when I got to it, Lee Manelski was the guy that said to John, you need him in your plane. And John was just starting to build airplanes. And, um, John, I remember John's like, how much can you afford? And I'm like, John, I don't know what I can afford. I have to go ask the bank. And he's like, how does $90,000 sound? And I'm like, um, it sounds amazing. I think I don't even know. So he's like, "Yeah, if you want, if you want this airplane, I'll give it to you for ninety thousand dollars." And I went home Shit. and I begged the bank, and I sold my S one T, and John gave me that airplane for probably fifty percent of what it's worth, Jeez. right? And um, because he believed in me and. And then I flew that airplane. Uh, and John Stoddicker, I don't know how much you guys know, but the guy is like, he's a magician. He can build anything. He literally built his house with his own two hands. I mean, like the steel beams that he cut and <laughs> welded. Shit. Like the guy's insane, right? And and he can build an airplane. If He can build an airplane as fast as a factory by himself. I feel like he's a really underrated builder too. Like the workmanship and the, and the like reputation of like, especially the wings that he can build. Like, I I really feel like that's something that we'll probably talk about later on. You know, um, it's just something that's not talked a lot about right now. Incredible airplanes, incredible workmanship. The the worst part about a John Stoddicker wing is you had to put a cover on it. So you could like, you had to cover up all the amazing work (laughs) that was in the thing. Like, when you saw one before they put the skin on it, it was like, oh my God, this thing is a piece of art. It's unbelievable. So, yeah. Yeah. So John Stoddicker believed in me and uh, helped me. And then I remember built my second one, which was sort of the same thing with a little bit different tail and a shorter wing. And that airplane really, it didn't have enough wing. We made the wing too short. So you had to fly it fast. And 
I remember trying to fly it in unlimited. I got a bunch of low calls because it just wouldn't hold that. It, you had to fly it fast, and it would it would lose altitude a lot. Just a ton um, of energy. Yeah, it just it just wouldn't maintain the energy. And, it was and a good then, looking airplane, though. It was a beautiful airplane. Mm-hmm. It now lives in Slovakia. Right? It's owned by the guy that was the air traffic controller for the Red Bull Air Race, or our ground controller, Igor. He owns it. He rebuilds it. He said every every Red Bull Air Race, he'd come to me, Michael. Here it is, Michael, and he would take new pictures out during the rebuild of, of, awesome. of my old airplane. Yeah, I love really that. Cool. So yeah, it's really cool. And so, you know, there was a, there was a time. Where we had pit specials, then we had lasers, and then we had Stodikers at the Nationals, right? And so there was, we have pictures, there was probably 15 of them at the Nationals one year. And wow. Every, every, everybody had Stodikers. There was tons and tons. They built That's right. a ton. And Diane like, Hackala had one. Diane Hackala had one. Gene Greasel had one. Yeah, Gene Greasel had one. And then, um, oh my God, there was a ton of them. There's a guy from, there's a guy from, uh, Texas that had one that yeah there was a, then they, they built some two seaters so there was a ton of those um and then that then that that airplane kind of had its day and then Kirby came along with that with the well then there was a little bit of time for the 300s right just a few years and then Kirby came along with the edge and then the edge was for like four or five years I, I say right and and the, because it was it was Kirby. It was Mangold. Yeah. Um, I mean, oh, the yeah. the entire West, Co- all the California crowd had had, had, had uh, edges. Why didn't right? you and, go to the edge? Um. At that time, I was I was really good friends with Jim Mosier, who was selling extras, and it was probably that it was one year too early to really think. More about the edge. I was telling Kevin Coleman as we were having this, we we're just chatting about this stuff. So I remember the edge. Bill Zivko showed up, and the first edge wing was sitting on a table in the back of the hangar at the Nationals, and he was selling those out of the literally the back of his pickup truck as a replacement for the wing on all the lasers. So his, the, so the first the first Zivko stuff oh, the was three sixties. Yeah, exactly. So mm-hmm. you know your you know your aerobatics. So they re, they replaced a bunch of wings on the um, on the lasers with with these wings. And, and that then, was a really good marketing standpoint too, because weren't there some problems with uh, lasers with uh, drooping wings and uh, some stuff like that? I mean, this so was a much the better lasers wing. Ha- so lasers had horrible problems, right? So they had yeah. huge flutter pro they had huge flutter problems. So um, there's if you guys probably can find it on the internet, so. There was a guy I don't know his name. I'm sorry. That was friends with Linda Myers and 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 Kermit Weeks in Florida, and he died when the wing exploded uh, due, due to flutter down there in Miami. And then they paid to have a flutter analysis done on Linda Myers' streaker, I think, down there in Miami, in Tamiami, and they got the wing to basically almost explode on the on the Jesus. right on the ground. And oh so, my gosh. And that was, and so that was the air, that was the wings with, with torque tube ailerons. And there was a bunch of those. And even today, if you look at a, an extra 230, it has a weight on the spade, right? And so they came up with this formula that you had to have so much weight so far forward of the hinge line of the wing to keep them from fluttering. Wow. Um, 
So there was all kinds of problems. And then they, they made them with square holes in the ribs. So the, the ribs would crack right at the, at the holes. And so there was tons and tons of problems with the early lasers. Yeah. yeah. And so Zivco started by, yeah. So Zivco started by just like taking all of those bad wings out and um, getting rid of all the torque tube aileron wings and putting putting new wings in them. And that's how Zipco oh, started. But like, but I was in that middle transition, like 94, where they, like, that's kind of the, when I bought my 300S from Jim Mosier. And I don't know when Kirby started flying the first sort of prototype Edge 540, but it was probably right, right then after then, maybe 96 that he came. So I was just a hair too early. Um, and we can talk about Rebel and all that other stuff later. But yeah. my my, uh, I've had two edges. The first one I wasn't in love with. The second one is the best airplane I've ever owned. Was what, really? what was the what was the first version? Was that a was that a V one or a V two? Um, <laughs> it's funny these V two V three things. That's a Red Bull designation. Like there was no yeah. such thing as to Red Bull ever called them V threes. So I don't know what like a the MXSR. Yeah, it's just like these like yeah, race right, designations. Like, yeah, so like I don't know what the first version of an edge was. I guess maybe an edge with the fabric tail was the first version, and then the cantilever tail was V two, and then the race one is a V three, right? So yeah, that um, makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So I would I would have had two V twos, right? But um, well, we're getting off subject. But my my Red Bull plane is very it's a very different edge than the others, which we can talk yeah. about. Which is one of the most be- I just have to say one of the most beautiful airplanes I've ever ever seen. I'm just in Mark, awe. You were such a suck up. I know. Dude, is, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Every, I had to, every I, guest that we have on, like you can like you can have a Zlin, and Mark will be like, "Listen, oh. your Zlin keeps me up at night. I love that thing. <laughs> I dream about it." You know, you I take a guy on, and he'll be like, "Your your 450 Stearman is the most beautiful airplane right. I've seen in my your, life." Your <laughs> British Bulldog is the just the most gorgeous airplane ever. I take offense to that. You know what? A Zlin? Oh, come on. No, come, dude. Race 99, that is a be- that's a beautiful machine. I love that rocket. I have that's to a say, beautiful machine. I absolutely love it. Oh, God. Yep. Absolutely go. beautiful Thanks, machine. Well, All right, so are we talking aerobatic planes or race planes? What no, let's, let's, let's keep it. I want to keep yeah. it on aerobatics because I, I have a question. <laughs> so we're, we're, I mean, all three of us here are extra fanboys, obviously. Um, the 300S. Yep. The, the 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 little extra that couldn't, so to speak, in some ways. What what are your thoughts on the three hundred S? Because that I mean that was really not that was a uh, what where would you place that extra in the extra lineage? Where would you place the three hundred S? I don't know it right in front of the right in front of the midwing. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know the, the it's a good airplane. Um, it's probably a little heavy and. Like I was trying to explain to Jeff, even though he doesn't believe me, the snap window is so small that like yeah. you had to you had to snap the thing so hard. So, um, I don't know if you guys know this, but I broke the tail on two extras, right? So, um, um, I don't know that actually, I know that. You know the you know the tail mod that they do to to reinforce all the extras now. Yeah, the rear like the um yeah, that like yeah. uh, tail or the 
don't the know that lat- structure, yeah, the yeah, yeah. In the back. yeah. So yeah, a lot of idiots call just that keeps getting smaller and smaller. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of the idiots call that the Mikey G mod. Um, oh, I so, like that. So I was flying. I was actually at my wife's house practicing prior to I think the World Championships in '96, probably or '98, '98, '98. Yeah, I can't remember That's which one. So I'm practicing snaps on 45s and. I and I pull up and I'm trying to snap this thing and it just won't go and I'm like what is you know and you guys know the more you practice sometimes the worse it gets or or what seem like yeah what seem like big mistakes are just little mistakes and I'm like what is wrong with this effing plane like it won't it won't snap it won't snap it won't snap I'm like shit and I had a I had a a maneuver in my free was a one and a half snap at the top, pull around split S, and like a four point roll at the bottom. And oh, nice. I did the snap, it didn't go. I pull around the bottom and I go to do the four point roll, and the airplane goes bang! Is la- like somebody um, shot a shotgun inside the plane, and I'm like, oh, oh my god. So no I bueno. Pull up, I pull up super gently. And you're like, okay, I'm still here. The wing is still on it. Like, okay, move <laughs> back and forth, left and right. It's all okay. I'm like, all right, I'm alive. This is okay. I'm like, Karen, did you hear anything? She's like, no. Karen's right, going to so kick I, my ass. Yeah, right. So I, su- so I super gently slow the plane down, come down, and I land. And I get out of the plane, and the entire side of the fuselage is all wrinkled, and the and the and the horizontal stabilizer is tweaked. Oh my god! <laughs> and I'm like, oh no, this is going to cost so, a lot of money. This so is going to be expensive. <laughs> yeah. So we call up, we call up Jim Mosher. I'm like, Mosher, I just snapped a launcher on in the tail. He's like, you what? I said yeah. He's like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, it's clean through and the two pieces are overlapping each other and the tail is twisted at like a 20 degree angle he's like that's not good and i'm like yeah <laughs> so we called walter and walter's like yeah actually it happened to one of the french pilots like three weeks ago whoa so even though they blame me i was number two not number one <laughs> so oh, gosh this we, is this is similar to the your competition with matt chapman oh my gosh right? so uh <laughs> yeah no, even though everybody thinks that exactly so Terrible. that took me a second to catch on um so yeah so we like dennis Sawyer drove out with it in his van from new hampshire up to upstate new york we we pulled the fabric off the side of the thing we welded it up in the middle of a hangar and then uh we laid i remember we laid wet bath towels all over the fabric so we didn't light the airplane on fire and we welded the thing up, put the fabric back on. I flew it for the rest of the season, and then we fixed it that fall. But then here's a funny story. So I got <laughs> my uh, – I ordered a cap, but it wasn't arri- – it hadn't arrived yet. And um, I said was to – Was that when – when that lingerie on snapped, is that – and you were like, all right, I need to get out of this thing. No, you know, I just, it is what it is, right? It's just, it broke. I have no idea why. And 
Um, obviously Walter will tell you that I was flying too hard and I'm like, well, it's an unlimited plane. That's just what you do. And, you know, yeah. and truth is yeah, because Walter. the, because it was so Catch hard, because it was so right. <laughs> but no, because it was so hard to fly that plane really well and really aggressively. Clearly we he had to fly it fast. Yeah. You fly it too hard. Right. And so hey, let me but the ask you a question is, before you move on. Did you get, when you bought your 300 S, did you get like a hat or a sweatshirt? Cause I didn't get shit. <laughs> Here we go. Here we go. Hey, I'm clearly you are clear. You are not anybody. I'm apparently so. That's uh, apparently. Hey, yeah, I'm yeah, fucking. You I know rate, that already. You don't know. rate, Jack. <laughs> you don't rate. I've uh, been begging, <laughs> begging for the ability to buy a sweatshirt or something, and they won't return my calls. It's it's rough. They won't hey, even sell this one. Well, no. it cost you five hundred thousand. That's how much one of those hats costs. That's true. No, apparently right? it doesn't. I don't know. <laughs> no, you're lying. Just like the window, oh, you're lying. Oh, <laughs> I didn't get God. a sweatshirt. <laughs> I love it. I Just love kidding. Um, love you extra. Oh, God. Please help me. <laughs> yeah. L- love you, Eric. Love you, Walter. Please keep sending, selling me parts if I need them. Right? Please help me. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> so, I'm sorry. You were going into so, the cab. No, so I, so I got my I, – I, I got my – I was waiting for my cap, and it was late, obviously – and and uh, so I needed an airplane to start the season. So Mancuso had the pink 300s. Oh my! Remember that, that is one? My I love that airplane. Favorite. Okay. Airplane. Do you? It's still around. Airplane mark. What's that? No, it was different. It was a different color, dude. It wasn't the yeah. uh, Rocky Hill scheme. It used to be. They used to call it pinky. It was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Most... Isn't that, that airplane still around? Isn't it somewhere? No, no, but no. it's it was it got repainted. It's Vicky Benzing's. But right. No, no, no. Is it Vicky's plane? Yeah, that's what oh. I, was, I, I. It's still around. I, I mean, it's not the same color, but um, it's still alive. The airplane. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. Oh, that's I didn't know that was Vicky Bensky's plane. Okay. Yeah, because Cacavalli sold it to uh, Rocky Hill when him and uh, Susie had that thing. Yep. Oh, funny. Okay. Oh. So I so oh, love that airplane. Mancuso and I are buddies. <laughs> so I'm like, Mike, can I rent your plane for a while? And he's like, yeah, 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 absolutely, no problem. He's like, Michael, this plane, it like, this is the best 300s on the planet. I just did all this work to it. We did this and that. It's awesome. It won't charge you any problems. Blah 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 blah. I'm like, okay, great, thanks, Mike. So I take the airplane back from Long Island, and literally my first practice flight out, doing the same maneuver no. over the highway north of Bo- north of Hanscom Field, one and a half flick, pull around. Four point roll. One, two, bang. I'm like, fuck again. I did wow. it again. Ah. So so that time the second time I wasn't scared. I just knew exactly what it was. And I'm like I've been here before. Oh, I've been here before. So I slowed it down. Go. I flew it the fifteen miles back home. I landed and I, I'm like, oh my god, I'm gonna call me a Kuso. He is gonna kill me. Yeah. So I was like, Mike. I have something I've never to heard tell you. Story. He's like, what? I said, I broke the broke tail on your extra. <laughs> and I thought he was going to lose his mind. And he's like, oh, man, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. We just did it. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm like, I'm sorry. And it was yeah. nobody's fault. It was just ready to break, right? Like, it is what it is. I just finished the job. It happened on your watch. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it, it was like, it was going to happen. Just, yeah. Yep. So, I remember was, my, my, uh, my friend uh, Scotty was at the Nationals one year, with, and Michael had Pinky down there, 
And I think you needed to get your airplane back to Boston, but you couldn't do it. So Michael was like, hey, no, my buddy Scotty will do it. And uh, Scotty was standing right there. And, and I think you were like, hey, Scotty, you ever fly like a 300S? And Michael answered for him. He's like, yeah, he's fine. And turns out Scotty's <laughs> never flown a 300S. Oh, <laughs> and God. he was telling me the story. He goes, yeah, the thing was awesome. It had like Windows 98 in it. <laughs> like, moving map shit. <laughs> yep. Oh, I had an Avidyne. I had an early Avidyne in it then. That's right. Yeah, he's like, it had a power oh up God. and shit. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, that's so funny. Uh, I yeah, can't yeah. believe I let Scotty fly my airplane home. I must have been desperate. Very desperate. He'll break anything. <laughs> um, so, yeah. yeah, that's my, you know, and, and uh, man, I've broken everything. I've broken everything in a 300S. I broke the stick. I broke a fuel tank. That airplane had a lot, a lot of problems. Fuel tanks. Yeah, the, the, that's the one where the that's where the yeah that's where the bell crank broke with Sergey flying it. Jesus. Um, yep. Yeah, and everybody. So everybody and then I got on MX for breaking, but extras got a that three hundred S got some history. Well, it was for the guys that were flying in them and flying them in unlimited that we were flying them too hard, right? Is that where the uh, the rudder cable um, AD came from? Was that a three hundred S or a three hundred L? Ooh, I don't know. I don't know that. that I can't one. remember where that that I know AD my came buddy, from. My buddy landed with a rudder cable in his hand at an S. That's no bueno. Um, yeah, David. it's a bad day. Um, when Miller yeah, did, it's a tough one. Yeah, he said yeah. snapped the cable and like had to wrap it around his hand. He also snapped the stick and then. <laughs> yep. How the hell do you snap a stick and then and then what? It's the window, Mark. You didn't know about the window. It's a small window, dude. <laughs> <laughs> gotta, gotta keep up with the talk. So it's only outside flicks. <laughs> it's only outside. Let's move on before we I'm get safe. in trouble. All right, you clowns. All right. Um, cap talk. My cap this talk. Is another bucket bucket list airplane. I would love to fly a cap. I heard it in ISIS. The best machine in the planet. They're so cool. They're like. Now, did you ever fly a two thirty one or just a two thirty two? Just a two thirty two. Because I heard the two thirty one would. would with the few with the wood fuselage was like the best deal. Yeah, I don't know. That's again, that's like yeah. that's the extra two thirty versus a three thirty SC, right? So Yeah. Um so you know, Coco Bessier flew the two thirty one and won the world championships. So clearly it's a yeah. it's a good rocket. Yeah. Yeah. So that's one of those airplanes where I I just look at it, I'm like, what a what a just sad what a sad end to a lineage, you know. Uh, what an amazing airplane that just just kind of spawned out, and 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 is just gone. It's weird. Yeah, I mean, I think there's just so much, you know, the 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 people that built those things were, they were artists, right? They're all made out of wood. The airplanes, like, they're really, they're literally living, breathing thing, like. Yeah, they expand and contract with the weather, and you're always tweaking on the bolts, and you know you you really have to pay attention to the to those airplanes. But um, it was super trouble free for me. I I loved the thing. I flew it for a bunch of years. Some people say I was the best in my cap that I was in any airplane. I don't. I no. I have no idea. Yeah, because you never um, you never flew a competition in it, or maybe one I, regional. I don't, maybe, but I think I yeah. I don't remember. What, a shame. what would you attribute people's why would you think that people would say that or what do you attribute those thoughts to of, of why they would say that you know 
I think I learned to become an airshow pilot in that. And there's a difference between flying airshows and being an airshow pilot. And uh, I learned how to sort of try to connect with the crowd yeah. in that plane. Okay. Right? And um, I, I sort of became of age in the airshow game in that plane. And, that makes sense. Uh, so I think people, people sort of probably remember that. Yeah, I loved. I I think that some of your best routines were. I like watching the videos of the cap. Um, I just you know it wasn't too fast, but it wasn't slow. It was. It's just a great flying airplane. Yeah, really it's just it. it. It does everything magic at eight G's. You didn't need to pull any more than eight G, hundred and eighty knots. Like it was just. It did everything you asked it to do, and yeah. and more. It was so cool. I heard snapping it was just so easy. Yeah, if you just snapped, I mean, like, oh my god, the tail was so so nice, and it was so light. Uh, yeah, the the, har- the plane was the plane was awesome. How did they get it so, so they, right? I mean, that, that that's kind of like the thing that's so impressive to me because it's just like you know they had the cap. I mean, there was a multitude of caps, but um, right. it, it's just amazing that that they just kind of got it right on a lot of these airplanes, and then and then they're just gone. And I, I mean, I know that the bureaucracy of it all, but. Uh, it's how did they get how did they get the 231 and the 232 so right yeah i think mr mudry just he you know there walter extra knows what he's doing yeah mr mudry knew what he was doing kermit i mean um curtis pitts knew what he was doing right yeah. those guys yeah. visionaries they're, just, they're brilliant at what they yeah. do right and you know i mean let's face it it took a while for the pits to get where it did it took a while for the cap to get it started at cap 20 cap 20 l cap 21 Cap 230, 231, 231EX, and then a 232. And same with the extra, right? It it started yeah. off as a 300. It's a long li- lineage, yeah. Yeah, they, ha- they, I they think learn lot, with each one. Yeah. I think a lot has to do with getting feedback from a pilot that actually knows what he's talking about, too. You know, because um, I would assume that as a manufacturer, there's only so much you could kind of, at that time... Um, estimate for aerodynamics and then you know whatever test pilot's going to be able to give you some type of decent feedback to adjust it right yeah i think you know I, th- I think like in the pits world in the beginning i think marion cole and betty skelton were probably two of the people that helped curtis a lot the mo and then i'm guessing you know charlie bob heron dean those guys had a huge impact on helping the pits come along and then you know, yeah. Henry Haig was Henry Haig was probably pretty legendary in all the mods that he did, and uh, I don't know about the French side, um, but Walter Extra was a really good aerobatic pilot himself, right? And I think that's the advantage that Extra had is that they had a guy building the airplanes that knew what the customer wanted, kind of like Philip. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and so yeah, were- I mean. Being being you know experienced enough to know what you like and what you don't like and what people would like and don't like and then what they would want, boy, you could really you could really tailor an airplane <laughs> pretty well. Yeah, and but you, you know, were this... really crucial to the SHP though, which is what I was kind of getting at. Well, so that was a game changer. Yeah, so it really so the SHP was really an airplane that was never supposed to be so. Um, really? there's like five people on the planet that know this story. So I was sitting at Oshkosh. <laughs> now there's going to be now seven. There's gonna be, now there's going to be 10, right? 
And Matt Chapman won't know this story because he won't be listening to this anytime anyway, but whatever. So, um, He's already driving to your house to kill you. Yeah, exactly. Well, he's going to have to drive a long way because I'm in Louisiana, so... Um, He'll have to take his little Boeing down here to come find me. There we um, go. <laughs> so um, I'm sitting at Oshkosh next to Walter. And, and, you know, our family was sort of working on extras. And we kind of had a loose relationship with Southeast Arrow, as did Tucker at the time. So we were helping those guys sell airplanes. And some guy came up and started talking to Walter and me and, and he just made some wise remark like, hey, Michael, you're selling extras, but why are you flying a cap? And Walter looked at me and he said, yeah, Michael, you're selling extras. Why are you flying a cap? And I said, well, Walter, if you built an extra that flew like a cap, I'd buy one. Oh, man, and, you just freaking laid down the gauntlet. Yeah, so <laughs> so uh, and it, was all, it was all done in fun and jest, right? I mean, and so. Do Germans have fun? Well, well, actually, Walter does. Definitely Walter does. Walter knows how to have fun. So that fall, Walter's like, okay, let's make it happen. So that fall, oh, I went shit. to, yeah, I went to Germany and Walter, myself, and, you know, a bunch of the engineers, we sat there at the factory and we said, okay, let's list all of the planes and what they do really well and what they wanted what we want them to do better and then we we listed edge extra 300 sukhoi whatever else was a stodiker whatever else was out there during that time I love that you're trying so hard the hydra boston accent i just want to put that out there for this yeah, okay thanks, thanks. <laughs> I love it. We're You're lucky I'm even you. talking Don't to worry. a New Yorker for Christ's sake. Oh, my God. oh there we go. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So Dude. we sat yeah, there whatever. and we said, I'm not even listening to you. Are you talking right now? I can't hear you. I love it. Um, so, um, God, I lived long enough to see the Red Sox actually beat the Yankees, which was good. So like, like I love that I'm like, oh. like the worst host. Like we have like a really great topic we're talking about and I just go screw it up. <laughs> just <laughs> whatever. shit all over it. Right? Thanks yeah. a lot. So we sat there that day. We sat there that day and basically penned out the 330SC on a board. Right? Like we talked all about yeah. like, hey, it needs to roll faster. It needs to have a – all right, you guys can you can make fun of me now. It needs to have a larger snap window. Oh, and, boy. <laughs> and like, you know, if you guys are real aerobatic pilots, you would understand what that means. But since you're not, no. I guess that's the problem. New Yorkers <laughs> don't really don't. know how to fly aerobatics anyway. Whatever. We don't. Um, we don't. Trust me. I will vouch so, for you. I'm the um, shittiest aerobatic <laughs> in the world. So, um, so we actually – we took all of the things that we thought were the best – out of all of those airplanes, put them on a board. We, you know, there's a reason why the canopy is much smaller on the SC than the S, because we talked about the canopy, it looks like a two-seater. We want it to look like a single-seater. The edge looks nice. Yeah. And all of those I, things. I like, love the canopy. Yep. Mm -hmm. And then, hey, the, you know, there's not enough fuel in the center tanks. We need more gas. And uh, we need it to roll better. We need it to snap better. We did all of that stuff. And is there anything on the SHP that you wanted them to do on it that they just either didn't have time to implement or yeah, so the whole like, the no. SHP. So, we, so remember 
I ordered a 330SC, basically. When I when we left there, it was like, hey, this is what you're going to get, Michael, and you've got the first one. Okay, great. Sweet. Well, what ended up happening was they they were able to design the fuselage, but not the wing. Oh, so, so when you they, originally told them about doing the counterbalances and everything. Well, I didn't tell, you know, we left with a concept, right? It was up to Walter to build it, right? So the yeah, fit, right. like... The thinner tail, the faster roll rate, all of that stuff was like Walter's like, I got it, I got it, I got it. I think it was in his head before I even left there, right? So yeah. I didn't I didn't design the plane. I helped them like, this is what it needs to be. It's got to right? do this. And so, yeah. So on that day, literally, the SC was created, right? And in, in concept. And so my airplane, in my mind, was an SC. So... Yeah. What happened was I was going to fly the airplane for that season in the Red Bull Air Race. So the air race was coming. I think Berlin or Barcelona was the first race that I was going to fly it in, and the airplane wasn't ready. So they basically stuck a 300S wing on a 330SC fuselage, and that oh. is an SH. That's an SHP. Wow. Okay. Okay. But it's got a bigger so, rudder. Than the SCs, right? It, it does. So then, um, yeah. So that was the that that was my airplane, and then they built like one or two more that were kind of halfway between. So Martin, that works for MT, he has one. So like then they got then they built the S wing with counterbalances, and Matthias I think owned that for a while maybe, and and so mm -hmm. there's like two or three of them that are out there that are kind of like until Walter figured out the wing, that's where it was. So yes, you're absolutely correct. The rudder on the SHP is different. So the horn, the counterbalance horn on the SHP is way bigger. Um, and the air, and it's, it's super sensitive. Kevin's used to it. I flew Kevin's airplane a couple of years ago. Um, cause obviously the SHP is now Kevin's and I got and in. And that, that's yours that you had. Is that Kevin's. was mine. Yeah. Kevin's airplane was my airplane. Yeah. So I got in there and I'm like, Jesus, Kevin, how do you fly this crazy thing? And so my airplane and an SHP are quite different. Uh, my SC and an SHP. But that's so that's what the SHP is. The SHP is our vision of an SC with a 300S wing because we ran out of time and I had to go fly a race in it. Wow. Yes. Yeah. yeah so, I, there you go. It's amazing. It's amazing. I love. And no, now they've built a bazillion of those things. Dude, they're that's incredible. Like almost a hundred. Yeah, it's unbelievable. It's an well, Jeff, you know the thing is on. Like I flew it today, and I'm like, man, this is the airplane they should have built 20 years ago. But you know, like you say, everything's an evolution, right? The video that you posted today, those ha those half rolls, are just uh -huh. it's, it's insane. You know, it's it. I mean, uh, you're an incredible aerobatic pilot. That that goes without saying. But the airplane capabilities, like what, how aside from like the you know, I'm not. Too much of a fan of this term, but I'm using air quotes here, the 3D side of aerobatics. Like, aside from that, like, how much more can you do to these airplanes to get them to roll faster and stop precisely and crisply and, and fly arresty? And I mean, like, it seems like the 330SC is just really, really, really well done. It's not yeah, even about I, that. It's probably more judging. Like, the judges can't even see half the shit when you do it that fast. Yeah, yeah, I... I mean, it goes back to like, I think we're at the point now where the human is the problem, not the airplane anymore, right? 
So I was going to ask you this back when you were talking about, um, you know, we're talking about the wobbles and ta- talking about kind of increasing the, the physiological side of stuff. Do you, do you find now that uh, that's kind of kind of how I was thinking uh, about this is that now we're, we're going to see that the that the human is probably the limiting factor. I mean, how much, more, you know, building an airplane to plus 15 minus 15 is is all but irrelevant in many ways because we're just not gonna be able to do anything with that airplane. I mean, have we, have we kind of reached the limit physiologically? Obviously there's going to be people that, that are freaks that can go above and beyond, but um, you know, have we plateaued I, in, I, in that, in that regard? I think you have, right. I, I, I just can't yeah. see that you can push people much harder than they already are being pushed. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And what, what and what, what, for your limits and for your, like for your, when you're um, coming off the winter season and and you're getting ready to go when you are warming up and and you're going through your athletic routine of the physiological side of things. What, um, I mean, obviously you don't want to get the wobbles again, but you you obviously have to you have to kind of find the line. Mm-hmm. Um, and everybody has a different line, but what what is that line? I mean, I, you know, do you do you start to kind of tunnel out and gray out? And then and then peel it back. I mean, you obviously know your limit by now. You've been doing it for so long, but um, how far does one push themselves? You know, Man, safely. That's a it's a good question. I think it, it's it's different for everybody, right? Um, so funny enough, like I have really good G tolerance right now. Like I haven't grayed out like at all. One not not one iota t- today, and and you know I don't I'm pegging the g meter every time i fly so i don't know what that is 11 probably or 11 and a little bit or something it it pegs at 10 on the stop so i have i just still have an old school i like to see the g meter out of the corner of my eye so i don't have a digital one or anything it's just a, it's just an old school one so it's I, it, it pegs at 10 but again the the negative side isn't very high three three and a half so um i feel super like am i g tolerant yeah like positive g yeah, absolutely. But after like four or five maneuvers, I'm like super, super exhausted, barely breathing. I <laughs> feel like I want to puke. Sure. And so like, oh so I'm not there. Like I'm not there from that side of it yet, right? It's a multiple roll, so you're almost like I'm getting dizzy, or or it's just so hard to get into that shape. So, sort of like passing out G isn't an issue. It's just all the other physicality of snaps and pulls and all of that stuff that sort of just gets you like super exhausted really fast do you do you have a maneuver or or uh um whether it's like just negative or positive to negative negative to positive is there is there kind of a um like a subset of 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 a physiological input that is like you just know like you know you come off the winter season you're just like shit um i can do all this this and this it's going to go pretty well. I really, really have to work on X, Y, and Z because this is where physiologically, like I, I always tend to um, need the kind of the most work and conditioning yeah. prior to a season. For me, it's negative G stuff. I think it is yeah. for everybody. And I'm just, yeah. hey, uh, Coleman would tell you I'm a wuss, right? He's already out here pushing and pulling and I'm like, yeah, that's great. I'm, I'm not there yet, right? So I just, I get there very <laughs> gently. Um, and it, since I'm not competing, I don't have to, I don't have to have this, you know, Rob Holland minus eight capability <laughs> in my sure. brain, right? I just don't need to do that, thank God. And um, yeah. 
So it's a little different there, there right? Like, so the, the way it works is like, okay, get your G tolerance up. That's really good. Start to start to fly the airplane like you mean it. Uh, start to fly the airplane well. And then that's all great at 500 feet because the tops of the maneuvers are at 2,000 feet, right? Like there's no, there's no danger or whatever there. And then, so like, okay, I've got my G tolerance. Now I'm flying the airplane aggressively. Now I'm flying it fairly okay. And then now I'm going to start to fly it lower. And then that's the whole other evolution of getting near the ground and getting comfortable near the ground. And that is a whole other sort of level of confidence. So it's like, yeah, flying oh, yeah. the plane as well. But then once you get down there near the ground, uh, that changes. So I'm nowhere near that yet. And that yeah. and that changes a lot, right? Like uh, if I fly an air show on Sunday, the next Friday, I still have a little bit of a tentative nature to my flying on Friday, even though it's only been four days since I've been near the ground. Wow. It goes, it goes away in four days, right? And then on Saturday, you're feeling really good. On Sunday, you feel like a hero again and you're back down in the weeds and it's all great. And like that whole – the whole idea of confidence near the ground and – you know, being able to tumble the airplane and make it unlock at 1100 feet above the ground is just one of those things you have to, you can only get there by practice. And it's just confidence, right? The, the whole wow. thing with being really good with the airship flying is it's just confidence near the ground. Yeah. Yeah. Boy. And, and then the ability to build that tolerance of that, that's, that's, um, that's incredible. I mean, I've never really, <laughs> you know, that I've never really thought of it. Um, you know, we all kind of think in terms of, you know, how long can I go <laughs> before I have to worry about having to do this again? And just to think about that, that level of, you know, just a few days um, to lose comfortability of, of pushing it down to the deck is crazy. That's incredible. Really incredible. So we got to we got to just turn the corner here because I really want to talk about something while we got you. And that's sponsorships. And we had a really great idea on the show to for if you wanted to join an air show or why we don't see more like sports agents. We made the term Jerry Maguire. Um, yeah. <laughs> what's your, what's your, what's your thoughts on that? Which, you know, do you have any, I'm not, I don't want to, I don't want to make it really serious because we're not trying to get information to really actually do this, but wouldn't, why hasn't like any sports age, why doesn't anybody have an agent at this point? Cause it's, um, you guys are professionals. There's no yeah. So the sponsorship thing is, <laughs> it's nowhere near as easy as you guys make it out to be. Right? Oh, like, I, <laughs> I'm going to put a name on my airplane. I'm going to go get monster on my plane. I got a green plane. And I'm like, good job, Petroselli. Have fun with that. Like, you like you jump on that. I, like, I'll be right there. I'll, I'll clean the bugs off your wing once you get that sponsorship done. Oh, you heard it here. Uh, see, you heard it here. There we go. It's, it's on record. See, I, I think it's I think it's that oh, hard. God. I really do. I mean, I think it's that hard. And you know, no, I mean, yeah, it's we, it's harder than than um, than I think it is. I, I know that. I mean, like you know, you and Tucker are like the, the pinnacle of of marketing and being able to do this um, stuff. I I can't even believe and begin to know how hard it is. To, well, to, to tackle this stuff. Mark, let, let me tell you. Serious? Yeah, what? Right? Jeez. <laughs> Sorry. Um, Sorry. So, yeah. <laughs> Pet, Petro will get his monster sponsorship. Yeah. Let's, let's, yeah. yeah. Here we go. I'll yeah. be there. I'm I'll be get, in a I walker when flat, that happens. Yeah. I want to be, I want to get my flat brim hat 
in my like uh, dirt bike too. Uh, oh my <laughs> god! Change your change your uh, name to Blaine. Right? No, uh, Kyle. What's up? Um, there we go. <laughs> Sorry, you, but yeah, like, so, is it a bad idea to get an agent? So, <laughs> no is the answer. However, it's not easy to get one, right? And that so, um. All right, Petrocell, you got me off my you got me off my train of thought here. <laughs> I have a energy. I have a very small mind, so I lose track very quickly. Um, to get to get a sponsor, a major sponsor, takes a lot of luck. It really does. I'd like to say that it's because you're good or whatever. It's you know a lot of it is luck, and then, but it's what you do with it, right? And. Um, I'll tell you one thing, a sponsorship turns aerobatic flying into a job. Let me just tell you. Right. That. Like it, like it is. You got so, commitments. Absolutely. Uh, you know, we, we, you essentially run a marketing company that happens to use an airplane for its vehicle. Right. Yeah. So yeah. to all of the people that are listening, like if you think it's all about flying, it's mm-hmm. like the flying, once you have a full-time sponsor, the flying is an afterthought. It's ancillary. Yeah, right? it is the, an in the, afterthought. In in the professional flying world, we always say it's like it's yep. a paperwork job with flying on the side. I have it, no it, doubt that a professional aerobatic uh, air show career is is a marketing company with flying on the side. I have no doubt. Yep, in my yeah, mind. you got it, buddy. That's it. That's exactly <laughs> what it is, right? Now, don't get me wrong, um, because I love it, right? And and I go back to that day of my dad telling Ian Groom that we don't have enough money to buy a you know, to buy an extra 230. And now here I am with a 300, a 330 SC and an edge and this big ass tractor trailer that yeah. we, you know, and there's eight employees on our, t- and like, so like, let me just say, I am a lucky dude. I totally get it. Um, and, and I'm, you know, lucky to be here, boss. And, and, um, but it starts, you know, we all want it. We all want a sponsorship or, you know, the guys in the air show business, if you want to make a career out of it. And like literally my first sponsorship was I was in the subway at Oshkosh and a guy walked in and he had a Castrol aviator shirt on. And no I'm like, shit. And I said, Castrol. Yep. I'm like, what are you guys doing here? He said, well, we have a brand new aviation oil and it's blah, 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 blah. You guys should come by and see it. And I said, well, I'm an air show pilot and I'm looking for sponsorship in the business and man Castro's into NHRA and what a great company. And, and he says, well, I'll, I'll introduce you to Jim Olofsson, who's the marketing director when you come by. And I'm like, that's cool. So I went over there. Oh my God. I introduced awesome myself story. to Jim. Yeah. I introduced myself to Jim Olofsson and he's like, Oh yeah, that's great. And you know, so on and so forth. And he's like, send us a proposal. Little did I know, like 10 other people went over there that day too, whatever. And, and so funny enough, Jim Olofsson sort of follows me around for a few days, kind of without me knowing, watches what I'm doing, watches me fly, uh, introduces himself to the people at EAA. It's like, tell me about Michael Goulian. Basically, is the guy a butthead or what's the deal? Then went home without me knowing and called the FAA re, re, uh, FISDOs where I had flown air shows talked to the IIC, asked what kind of a person I was to deal with wow. uh, and did all this homework on me 
And then I gave the presentation. I was given the opportunity. I drove to Parsippany, New Jersey. And here you are in the boardroom in front of um, British Petroleum executives giving a pitch on airshow on why you know, this is good for their company. And that's how my first yeah. sponsorship started, right? And that was your first major me. sponsor was Castrol. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Can I also say one of the coolest liveries on an airplane? Oh, I love that plane, man. I still it love is, this green man. plane. Yeah, it was so cool. So cool. And you had you had that painted on the SHP and the cap, right? Correct. It was. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah, so but the cool. Cap had like uh-huh. a checkerboard to it. It was freaking awesome. So they, yeah, it, like for racing fans, they would know Castrol went through a livery change during my sponsorship so if you watched like john forces uh funny cars during that time yeah uh they went from that what they called pills to the different scheme and then uh they went to a different paint design for all of their race cars all the vehicles and uh and then my airplane was in the was in that in that period there where we had to change it and 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 the flight suits changed and everything else changed and that's a funny story, but my airplane, my second airplane, the SHPs, actually painted like a bass boat, if you need to know. The Castro sponsored a bass boat, and we just like – we needed to look like the <laughs> bass awesome. boat. Just copy okay, it. Fun. What, yeah, we were having so much trouble, and Force, John Force's cars changed, and the bass boat changed, and my airplane changed all at the same time. So like Damn to bass. get a – to get a – you know, to get a, a sponsorship, it takes some luck, right? And – um but we did we did a great job with what we were given right and you have to prove yourself every single day and and um so here's uh, okay so for all of the (laughs) people that are listening you want the million dollar answer here's the answer uh it has zero to do it doesn't have zero to do but it has very little to do with putting your name on the side of a plane right like coca-cola red bull Monster. Well, Red Bull and Monster are probably a little different because they still want brand recognition. But take Apple Computer or Nike or Budweiser or like the entire world knows what that logo is. They yeah. don't need any they don't, more. Lo- yeah. They don't care. They yeah. could care less, right? Is it so, ambassadorship then? No. So it's so like the way that I look at it is every business has a challenge, right? And it's your job to find out what their challenge is. And you like, and does the air show business offer the opportunity to help them solve that challenge? Right. Solve the problem. Solve the problem. So I went, so again, having some knowledge helps. So I happen to be uh, a longtime Avial customer. If you guys know Avial, they're the Walmart, uh, they're the Amazon of airplane parts, right? And, and Goodyear and we went to Goodyear and said, who are your customers? And they said, well, what do you mean who are our customers? I'm like, well, who are your customers? And they said, well, you know, Aircraft Spruce and Avial and these guys. I'm like, those aren't your customers. Those are your suppliers. Your customers are people like my brother who are putting airplane tires on in a sweaty tea hanger in the middle of August in Massachusetts. <laughs> And I'm like, when was the last time you talked to those customers? And they're like, well, Avial talks to them. I'm like, are they? Because Avial just comes in and says, hey, you know, Goulians, we're running a special on Goodyear tires this month. You want to buy 10 of them? Sure. Like, there's no customer loyalty. So we went to Goodyear and said, guys, here's what we're going to do. We're going to present a program to you 
where we're going to bring this big, huge hospitality trailer with an air-conditioned conference room to the to the markets where you feel you're weakest in the United States. We are going to we're going to dial for dollars in association with Aviol. We're going to reach out to every flight school owner and charter operator in the country in that region, invite them as a guest of Aviol and Goodyear to our air show. We're going to thank them for what they do for you, for us, for the general aviation world. We're going to educate them on tires, and we're going to make them brand ambassadors, and we're going to measure their sales prior prior to the event and after the event for up to a year. And those are your customers. And they were like, ooh, let's do that. Jeez, I want to buy a Goodyear tire now. Right? Yeah, so that's how we did it. I mean, so that's how we did it. Like, we're like, hey, you guys don't in, you don't know who your customers are. You haven't communicated with them. Let's go communicate. So we called it the Goodyear Advantage Tour, and we did it for like six years, and it was awesome. So that was just an example of like, hey, what was their business challenge, and how did we help them fix it? And um, But the amount of effort that was involved to do that whole thing was insane. You had a whole team. Right? Yeah. We had, oh, like, yeah, it's a whole, eight, it's a whole production. Eight, eight people and um so that's just that's just an example of how my goodyear program worked and so um they're not all like that but um it is so much more than just a branding on an airplane it, it is it is going to work for those guys and then you know forever you know building up your brand because you have to make sure that what your reputation and standing is within the industry is the same as what the company's is, right? So that's why like Lycoming, Hartzell Propeller, Bose, Whelan, those guys, they're all like family to me. So yes, it's a business relationship, but it's also like we believe in each other so much. Like Sonny Whelan, uh, who owns 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 uh, Whelan Aerospace Technologies, like right. the guy's a race car driver through and through and he's a pilot through and through and he loves it. Um, and... The same thing for Bose is making awesome products and the Browns yeah. that own Hartzell, like they're family, right? And so it's one of those things where a lot of people will email me and be like, I need to sponsor and then I am then I can go fly air shows. I'm like, no, actually what you need to do is go fly competition, become somebody, fly air shows, build a reputation, stand for something, get a brand on your own and then go pitch it to a company. So people do it backwards, right? Would you almost suggest that – I hope I don't sound like I'm joking around. I'm kind of half serious. Would you almost suggest that some of these airshow pilots um, take time and almost take uh, a course on, on marketing instead of dumping all the money into trying to do something crazy? You know, because my opinion – not really opinion, but when you go to an airshow, 90% of the people that go to see an airplane at an airshow, just, they're just amazed that they can even fly. Right. So, like, working on some crazy maneuver isn't really going to make too much of a difference per se so like why not invest some of that time instead of developing some wild maneuver into a business model it's an awesome question so i think the the pendulum swings right back in the 90s and 2000s there was a bunch of sponsorships around right there were sean's mine matt Coors Light, Silver Bullet in the day, Gold, yeah, Northern yeah. Lights, um, yeah, big major title sponsors, awesome. Red Baron, Steerman's, yeah, right, um, yeah, Oracle, and so, but it, Marigold but remember to do that AOL, but it becomes then it becomes a job, right, and so 
Um, it's pretty easy. This sounds terrible, but it's pretty easy to show up on Thursday night, drink beer in the evenings and talk airplanes with your buddies on Friday night, Saturday night, and go home on Sunday, fly, you know, 11 minutes worth of like ribbon cuts and whatever, yep. get, get my paycheck and get the hell out of there and then go fly my airline job during the week. Um, yep. so like there's a lot of people, I think they probably don't want sponsorships. Yeah. Right? And so yeah, it creates commitment, uh, uh, yeah. constraints that, um, yeah, maybe they don't want. Exactly. Yeah. So I think, so the sponsorship game, it's good for some people. It's not for others. Like, Hey, it's if if I didn't if I wasn't doing this I'd be flying a Gulfstream for somebody I guess right and so like it's my job to do it um, and I'm damn lucky you, that I get to do it so do you have an exit strategy planned out yet because I remember I watched an interview with you and that question was posed um, and you kind of answered it eloquently but like do you have I don't think you're ever you're ever going to be out of the airshow game. Like I, the way I see it, I would I would assume that you're always going to be an evaluator or maybe have a team and have a, a pilot work for you. Um, but do you have some type of plan in place? Like, mm, or you so not that far ahead yet? No. So, you know, I can see the end of my career. Like I'm I'm getting a little tired at times. Right? It's hard. I have a 14 year old daughter and. Um, being in the Red Bull Air Race, like I've run nonstop my whole life since I was seventeen, and really like seriously, man. My vacations, yeah, no kidding. My, my vacations are three days at a whack, right? And um, <laughs> but like that's I have had a weekend. Like the pandemic was amazing. I'm like, holy shit, people don't work on the weekends. This is pretty cool. Like you must have been like lost during the pandemic. Right? Like, what do I yeah, do? Yeah, exactly. So well, you actually um, it's like, what do I do? Well, I'll just make a new company and, just, and fucking kill it at that with Sirius. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's it. So when you ask about my exit strategy, I'm doing a whole bunch of really fun stuff with Sirius. Right? We we started a yeah. business where we're training Sirius people, um, and we've already got three locations. We're operating two jets already, and about to probably become a third. And and I love it. Like Cirrus, I just love the company. They're they're full of energy and and people always hard charging. So I think I'm I uh, I'm an I, I'm an aerobatic pilot first. I always will be. This is a dream for me. Even even now, like I love it. Yeah, it's been a long like I'm an aerobatic pilot, right? Like the the truth of the matter is, like sponsorship or no sponsorship shit man i'm the i'm the luckiest guy on the planet i think what i've done where i've been my dad died 20 years ago and um like he saw me win the nationals but he didn't see me he didn't see me red bull in red bull air race he didn't see me win you know uh like imagine my my old man was the proudest guy on the whole planet if he he would have been like you won an air race in in the middle east in abu dhabi how the hell did you get there, right? And like, yeah. and you're kissing, you're kissing the bricks with your team in Indianapolis. Like, what the hell, my old man? He would have been like, oh my god. So, like, everything That's that happens funny. to me is like, it is icing on the cake. I am super yeah. thankful. I deserve nothing, and I'll, I'll, I'll take it all. And and um, oh, I would disagree so, with you there. I think you deserve it all. Yeah. Well, thanks. But I mean, I just, I just love it. I, I love what I'm like, I'm sitting here with Kevin Coleman and he's like, you know, and we're giving each other relentless shit on the ground. Like, 
fly harder, old man. I'm like, take that, you little brat. And, you know, it's like, it's just, it's just fun. And, uh, like, I haven't been able to do this for a while, right? And I get in my, I walk in my airplane, I walk in the hangar and there's my airplane sitting there. I'm like, I can't believe that that is my airplane. Like, to me, they're still spaceships, right? They're just still spaceships. Yeah. Yeah. So cool. If the IAC, let me ask you a question, because you kind of like tugging at my heartstrings with this extra 230. If the IAC created a category, I don't want to call it like the legends category because you freaking fly the shit out of off anybody, but like a category for like you, Chapman, Kirby, where it wasn't like based so much on skill, like in, say like a sportsman or intermediate type sequence where you guys wouldn't get competitive, although you probably would. Um, we totally def- would. Definitely would. <laughs> definitely would. <laughs> we totally would. But let's just hypothetically say you're not competitive. Um, We'd still be and, protesting that Kirby Shambliss has never done an actual snap roll in his whole life. Yes. <laughs> right? I'm like, come on, Shambliss. It was all aileron. You've been aileroning for 10 years on your snaps. Come on. I can't wait to get him on. I, I love oh that we're God. creating like a little like soap opera here. This is um, awesome. But yeah, like that would be fucking so cool to like have. Sorry, I said F. Um, to have maybe a couple regionals or even just do it at the nationals where you guys flew nothing like six cylinder, like just lasers, two thirties yep. and pizzas. That'd be a lot of fun. It would I mean, be it would super be, awesome fun. It would really only yep. be fun for like 50 people that like, like, Oh, are you kidding me? Mark and I. It'd be, Oh my gosh. My daughter would be like, dad, you're going to an air battle contest with David Martin and Matt Chapman and Kirby. Like, yeah. It's yeah. like, Oh, can I hang out with Kelly Ch- with Carly Chambliss? I'm like, Okay, like they don't care, but we care, and yeah, uh, yeah we would love it, right? <laughs> oh, everybody put cool. fifty bucks in the pot, and then but we'd have to pick the yeah, judges that'd be, too. That'd be a good fundraiser for like say like a team, U.S. team, or like maybe a chat. That'd be a great fundraiser. It I'd pay real money to see it. it. it Absolutely, Mark and I fun. talk about this all the time. Like when we, I forget something happened. I remember you and uh, Bobby Holly were going to do something in decathlons. Bobby but, Holly, <laughs> you know, if there was like if. You and, you know, three other heroes of ours did some type of contest. I would literally take an airline and go watch. Oh, I'd go go wherever it is in the country. I'll let you in on a little secret, though. (laughs) All of us, we would get an airplane. We would hire a coach. We like. Yeah. I'm not gonna go oh, no. fly. A, I'm not gonna fly a sportsman sequence unless I've been coached. Like, the, like yeah. I, I'm not sure I can do a round loop anymore, right? I'm like, shit, Sergey, I've got to do. Like, we would all. It would yeah. be the most competitive. Like, we would try. We would try to make it look Bring like out the book. Yeah, Bring we're not. We're yeah. not like we're not very competitive, but we're all want to kill each other. None of you guys from. have gotten to where you are by by not by by phoning it in. It even at this, <laughs> you can't do it can't do yep. it do you yeah like, you gotta go do all you in still do you look at like some of the competitors now like with like what's going on with like competition you're like fuck man I'll kick, if i if i signed up i bet you yeah, i can kick his ass i could beat him oh my god like, is that there's uh, no way really there's no way you don't look at like 90 percent of these people like i could whoop your monkey ass right now i could wake <laughs> up i could I, I don't even have to clean the sleepers out of my eyes and i just whoop your ass Yes, I do that. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yep. I love it. I love yep. that you're honest about it because we all know. A lot of times I call. A lot of times I call up Rob Holland. I'm like, "Hey, did you watch his sequence on blah blah blah?" He's like, yeah. "I'm like, dude, what is he doing?" He's like, "I don't know." What is he doing? Like, help him! <laughs> help oh him. my god, help Rob, help him! <laughs> that is awesome. Oh my god! Oh god! It's no, funny. I love it. I love getting critiqued too, and like 
you know, I got to be honest, Bobby Holly is a really, I really enjoy getting critiqued by him, even though he probably hates, hates my guts. But <laughs> um, there was one thing I posted online where I just totally fucked up a maneuver or whatever. And it's just a bunch of people just laughing hysterically at me. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, but hey, uh, I don't want to kiss your ass, but your flying, your flying is great. So keep, uh, thanks, keep, man. keep your I mean, style. Keep your style. I love it. Agree. Well, it's right? pretty much yours. Keep pretty your much style. Stole that from you. <laughs> yeah. Well, good. Hey, can fly. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, hey, would you really ever good. come down to Union City and just hang out, maybe to critique a little bit? Or uh huh. Yeah, actually, yep. you're so busy. What am I saying? I know, but if I'm a, like, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna try to get to some contests this year. We talk about this whole um, IAC um, board thing. I want to get to some contests and do it. And I would listen. You're doing it the right way. Like. You're flying so great. Just keep that going. Oh, thanks, man. I yeah, appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, it's all, like, I appreciate it. Um, we're going to talk a little... Okay, I have to say it. we got to talk World Championships for a second, right? So yeah. we oh, started yeah. to talk... We started to talk about, um, you know, critiquing versus coaching versus presentation, all that stuff. And I think if you have watched Rob Holland evolve on the last few years... Um, like he, this is not a secret. I I was not a huge fan of his arresty flying. I'm like, okay, what what do I mean by that? It's perfect, right? There's nothing wrong with it. Like he, he could win the nationals a hundred times in a row, and Kirby yeah. Chambliss was like this at his, at 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 his. Uh, even though Kirby was slightly after me, you like Kirby wouldn't lose because he never he never made a mistake, right? Like. It just he never made a zero. He never made. He just was perfect. And Rob is the same way. Uh, was the same way. However, like, if you go to a world championship, my mother, who would know nothing about aerobatic flying, could be like, "Oh, that one in the green plane is the best," and I'd be like, "Mom." How do you know that? She goes, "I don't know. It's just different than everybody else's." And that would be the person that would win. So if you go oh, to a sure. whack, yeah, if you go to a whack, there's there at each contest, there's one person that is for whatever reason it's their week. And they they are better than everybody else. They you can't put your finger on it. It's something that you can't touch, you can't feel you can you can just feel it. You can't see it, right? Almost it's like there. an intangible They're, style thing or yeah, something. Exactly, exactly, right? And so I think Rob and Kirby didn't have that, which was their sort of impediment to winning the world. So you went there and you were like, okay, it's perfect. But there's just – and now I think Coco coaching Rob – has changed that, right? So we, Rob did so nicely in the last whack because Rob's learning how to fly like the French fly, yeah. which is which is a presentation style that, I mean, I'm going to get, the IAC is going to be pissed at me, but 99, <laughs> 99.999999% of the IAC people don't know how to fly aerobatics, right? They can like, they can on a level yeah. that Rob Holland understands, right? Like, Rob right. Holland has forgot more about aerobatics than we'll ever know, right? And oh so, my gosh, like, the aerobatic like, IQ level is it's, it's insane. It's, it's off the so charts. It's it's insane, and and it started with Sergey. Yeah, it's it starts with Sergey. Like I can remember, 
I, I, in the unlimited in like 91 and 92, I was second or 92 and 93, something like that. I would, yeah, 92 and 93, I was second to Patty. And then I trained with Sergey Boryak the first time and he's like, oh, okay, go up there and fly a sequence. So I fly, I do like five maneuvers and he's like, okay, come down and land. I'm like, what? I just started. He's like, come down and land. I'm like, what, Sergey? Okay. He goes, and he, <laughs> I can't remember to this thing. He goes, you best American pilot? And I'm like, well, I'm a, the guy pilot, the girl's a champion. He's like, yeah, so you're best guy. I'm like, yeah, he goes, you're not a competition pilot, you show pilot. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> shit. He's like, what? And like, so we started, he's like, okay. So he's like, this is how you pull the vertical. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. You're teaching me how to pull the vertical? He's like, yes. And okay. And that's how it started, right? Like, it was amazing. Oh, shit. So I was finishing second in Unlimited to Patty. And Sergey's like, we're going to break down everything that you're doing. And we're going to fix it from the bottom, from vertical, from the pole to a vertical, right? Like, Holy I shit. had no idea what I didn't know. And, oh, the, wow. and the stuff that I was taught over the years from Sergey and, um, and even from Patrick Paris, like the, like you guys say, the aerobatic IQ is huge. And there's, 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 you know, it's humbling. It's humble. Like when you think it's like David Martin, Kirby, um, God, I don't even know now, probably Goody, Michael Rossi in oh, the day gosh. was probably pretty awesome. Now Rob, right. There's, you know, there's a handful oh, yeah. of people that like, they 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 they're so 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 great at what they do right they're like sliding the airplane across the box they're loading up a rudder to make a flick like mm -hmm. so far above and beyond what people understand it's amazing and so coco yeah. has done that with rob i think and what he's done i think is he's kind of like slowed his flying down a little bit to make the airplane not so big in the sky and right. brought it closer down and now i think Rob, because um, let's face it, he's the most creative aerobatic pilot. I don't know if there's ever been, but if you put, you can put him, Xavier, and a yeah, few and others, in, and 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 like Renault Acal, right? And Renault, um, yeah, those freestyle wise, are, yeah, oh, yeah, freestyle wise, right? So they yeah. just think they th they just think differently, right? And yeah. they they think that way, and um, which is really amazing, and then. Um, and Renault and um, Xavier had co had the benefit of Coco as a coach, right? And so he's that good, huh? Yeah, he's the man. Coco, he just thinks about it differently, right? He thinks about it differently, and so yeah. And now Amazing. Rob also has the benefit of Coco, and so like I was talking to, to Kevin about Coco today, like you can't go to him; he's not going to tell you how to move the stick. But once you know how to do that already, he's the guy that knows how to make your flying sort of jump off the paper, right? And and I think that's the thing when you go to a contest like that, whether it's the nationals or it's the worlds, and you know, there's always controversy, right? It's like, oh, you know, that person should have been fourth or he shouldn't have been fifth. Like, 
I, mean, I don't mean to be rude, but who cares? You were fourth, whatever, right? Like yeah. you, the guy that won that won, right? And, and I think, and and yeah. the judging is more and more biased the higher you get in the sport, right? It is what it is, and so um, when you get to the worlds, it's pretty biased, and and um, but the person that wins always, the person that wins should usually win. That's what I thought. I went as a warm up pilot that one time. And that was one of my main things to see where I wanted to go with the sport was this because you hear these horror stories and, you know, I don't Yeah, I think that there was a couple little things here and there that I don't want to specifically say, but I think that the people that were in the top 10 deserve to be in the top 10. I thought without a doubt. And the person that won, I think, deserved to win without a doubt. Like there was right. no question that he was the winner of that contest. I don't think he was the best pilot because. Well, he was that day, but you know, there was some, some, um, there was one pilot that was really great, but he left the pin in his, uh, Sukhoi 31 M ejection seat and he came out in the middle of the sequence. Oh, <laughs> shit. So that's kind of, yeah, yeah. He, well, it didn't. He realized it was there and then he took it out. Then he put it in his mouth and tried to fly the sequence with this like one pound ejection seat pin in his mouth. Oh, God. <laughs> a little so, hardcore. Uh, it was a little hardcore. Yeah. yeah. But, um, but yeah, I thought, for the most part, I think a lot of it, my big thing that I'm kind of stuck on is order of flight. I think that's that plays a tremendous role yep. in how you do. Yep. Yep. You know, because you can get really screwed with that. I mean, you could train all year for two years and <laughs> yeah. then get stuck one, and you're just like, fuck, I just wasted 50 grand of my money. <laughs> well, and yeah, I guess that's, that, that's, that's such a, a testament one. to the judging variable, you know? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like you guys have been talking a lot about where the sport's going. And I was listening to you guys this morning about the whole airplane chart thing. And, um, (laughs) man, like big fans of that, by the way. Oh God. (laughs) It was, it was a pretty funny attempt. Right. And, and so like you guys, like I love the ice, right? (laughs) I think it's funny. God. And I, I love the I love the sport to death and it, it's it's given oh, me yeah. my whole life and and I'm a little sad kind of where it is at the moment. And so EAA asked me like, hey, would you be the liaison because I'm on the EAA board and and like, would you be on? And I'm like, absolutely. And, you know, there's there's a lot of controversy going on. And, and you know, obviously there's like the old school guys and the, and the, this is the future guys and everywhere in between. And all I can say is I like, I'm trying to get everybody to be like, Hey, let's look at the big picture. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. Let's get like, find out what's wrong with contests. Are they, are they too long? Uh, are they, are they too exclusive? No, no, there's no snow cone machines. There you go. That's been my barrier to entry. <laughs> yep. There you go. Did you did you listen to the podcast that where I talked about what I'd like to see a contest? Mm, so remind I'll refresh me. I'm not sure. If you, yeah. So I thought it would be cool. It's going to be repetitive, um, and I hope our three listeners don't mind. Um, but I thought it'd be really neat to do get like a big blow up screen that you can buy on Amazon for like hundred bucks and mm-hmm. a little like um, projector. And then everybody GoPros their flights. So just have it like be open to the public. They can upload and just play their footage. Because my thing with IAC, and there's a bunch of other stuff that I'm not going to waste time talking about yeah. that are cool. But there's too much time on the ground where nothing's going on. And it's boring. It's really boring. Mm-hmm. And 
you know, it's hard for volunteers to want to be a part of something when they're just standing around and they don't even know what they're really looking at so much too with the contest flying. So I thought it'd be fun to be more active on the ground, you know, whether you're even bringing in cornhole and just having videos F- playing and face painting, yada, yada. face painting, you know, <laughs> massage. No, but they're like, honestly to make, like, how do you bridge the gap? You know, cause it's like what we're describing is kind of like, Oh, we, we wish we, they were just air shows. Right. Like where's the, right. where's well, the contest, food? Where's every the entertainment needs a four minute free. Every contest should have a four minute free. Whether you got to have some guy flying and flying for you. That's, that's safe by the way. Yeah, I you know man, competition aerobatics is it's getting harder and harder to get into, right? I think one yeah. of the things is that let's just face it, like people are too serious. Right? Like Yeah. You know, I I I I buy a 330LX and I buy a helmet and a flight suit and I practice once a week and I go to a con I've never been coached, I've never been critiqued and you know, I go there and then I stomp around and I get mad when I leave. It's like, really, dude, like you drill fillings for a living and you come to an aerobatic contest and like, why don't you just drink beer, have fun, get a, like, that's what this is about, yeah. right? It's just, it's a, a social thing, right? Have a laugh. Like there's so many people that are so serious about it. And you know what? There I should be like, there's like three people in the United States that should be serious about flying. Rob Holland and the two other people that are trying to beat them for the nationals. Everybody else, take yeah. a chill, right? Like, yeah, take a chill. Good advice. You're you're not professional aerobatic pilots. Just go have a blast. And um, yeah, why and so you I don't. Shit? Yeah, exactly. And I see there, there's so many Instagram um, young Instagram people that are flying all kinds of airplanes, you know, Christian eagles and stuff, and decathlons and they're they're not going to contests and i'm like why are they not like what is it about the the competition scene that you know mark you, you can answer the question well, too yeah, like mark's is it a, time is it ask. is it Just not the... like what is it right snow cones there you go now, it's, it's, honest, it's, it's, no yeah. I, honestly um you know there's something um there's something in me i, I so i I love aerobatics. I love the IAC. I, I will continue to be a dues paying member. I support the IAC. I love, uh, you know, I, I'm a super fan. Um, it's, I wake up and eat, sleep and dream aerobatics. I, I really, truly love it. There's just something innate in me that I'm just, I don't, I've got so much you going on. The stories you've heard, like the bad no, it, shit that you've heard. It's not even that. It's like, uh, you know, my friends go to competition. So like naturally, like, um, I want to hang out with my friends and hang or talk and, and have beer at the end of the day and um, shoot the shit and fly. And I, there's just some element where I, I, I honestly, without being able to explain it any other way, I just don't care. I, I really I, – I don't have that com- that competitive nature in me. Um, I, I just I, – I'm not very competitive. I'm not. Well, what would make um, you go to a contest then? You know, I, I don't know. Um, I mean I'm planning on going to um, – um, Kalinga in June. Uh, we'll see, you know, if that all works out. I'm knocking on wood. Yeah. You know, honestly, yeah. like life, I think, um, you know, when I was a flight instructor. What if, the, or, what if the contests were two days instead of three or or there was a chance that you can just go for one day and do one flight and then be able to come home? You know, yeah, time time commitments are hard. Um, I think, you know, sp- being in California, it well, 
there's a, there's a kind of a bigger problem that, you know, the airspace is being encroached, uh, the areas to practice aerobatics, the areas in which to have a contest, they're all shrinking. Um, and you know, it's hard to get to a contest. The closest contest to me yeah. is, is, is an hour and a half away. And then the, the neck, the second farthest one is like, you know, two, two and a half hours away. And not that that's like super far or anything like that, but you're, you, when you start kind of adding up the time commitment, uh, to go the cost, um, not that it's like an exuberant amount of money, but um, yeah. when I'm I'm kind of looking at, you know, like with an airline career, I've I've got three four days off, and I've got a time time it right. I've got a family. It is you have you have to kind of want it and really, really really want it. And there's an element where I'm like, I love aerobatics. I want to continue to improve and and better myself and fly aerobatics. I know and and I be know with what friends. Need a contest, huh? I really snow cones. I'm being serious. snow cones. Besides snow cones and okay. face painting, okay. Um, <laughs> I think that if this, because you're a social media dude, I think that if whatever chapter you belong to, and I, and to be honest with you, I really don't know. I'm kind of speaking out of turn here with how much your chapter does on social media, but if it had a huge social media presence and it was fun and it was active, where you um, communicated within that group with members and made friends, where like you know, Mark and I have never met in person, but. You know, if there was if I lived by Mark and there was a contest, sure as shit, I'd make an effort to get there so you can hang out, you know, in person. Yeah. So maybe if there was a bigger social media presence and communication within, say, Facebook, where everybody can communicate together and be friends. So you almost look forward to seeing people that you haven't truly met in person. That would probably make you go there. You know, the, I could see that, you know, um, you know, Mike, you put it so you put the, you really hit the nail on the head, you know, about seriousness. And you know, I mean, like I'm friends with our chapter president, um, Britt, she's awesome. I'm friends with a lot of people in, in chapter 38, my, my local chapter. I love them. I love the local chapter. I'll support it, support the IAC. I'm, I'm fully on board. Um, but there is an element where I'm like, you know, when I, I used to go to meetings, I haven't been to a meeting in a long time, especially with COVID, but where the meetings were extremely serious. And I mean, to the point where like, it's sucking the, the fun air out of the room. And yeah. you're just like, what are we doing here? Um, everybody, it's kind of this like um, bitching contest. And then I hear all this drama at contests. There seems to be drama at every contest, no matter what, without fail. There's some sort of drama, whether, you know, somebody showed up late and then, so, you know, uh, somebody's trying to get somebody else kicked out of the, the contest for, you know, not meeting, you know, being three minutes late to the morning briefing and all this. Uh, other. I'm like, you know, I my life is so serious in, in every other facet. I, I can't pause, you know, my family and my career to then go not have fun somewhere else. <laughs> but, but I think, you know, I think that you guys, you're becoming a bigger part of the sort of the voice of this sport. And so the board should hear from you, right? Like email them, links to the to this podcast to other podcasts right and i think the board needs to hear that right like there's so much we were talking about crosswind limits for landing at a contest and i'm like huh how did we get oh, how did yeah. we get so far off the mark that like yeah we're talking about landing li like cross how is that a relevant like, topic like, yeah yeah like like well i look at it like this hey we're aerobatic pilots. We're stick and rudder people. We're supposed to also know our own limitations. Here's the deal. If it's too windy for you, don't fly. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like never, like never did wind limits cross my mind, like on the runway. I'm like, huh? 
What are you talking yeah. about? Like every day before I go flying, I'm like, hey, do I feel good enough to fly? Is the weather good enough to fly? Oh, it's too windy. I won't go. Right. Like we're trying to make rules for everything. And, yeah, yeah. Um, it's almost like the government. You know, almost. there's just like too much paperwork right now, and like well, the whole thing. Really doing it. Yeah, it, keep, so I, it I makes it so structured that you you kind of you almost feel con- confined to is you know everybody starts like stepping on tippy toes. Like, am I am I crossing a rule or a regulation that 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 has been made? And and you know, <laughs> yeah. where can I step over yeah. here? Can I do this? Can I do that? And yeah. you know, between that and then you know, Jeff and I were talking on I think on the last podcast of just like more aerobatic centric things that don't necessarily involve a contest that, you know, like if, if we want to make contests like quote unquote, I'm using air quotes here again, game day, let's have some like get togethers that are aerobatic you know, centralized outside of a chapter meeting, you know, that's kind of right. another serious event, but like, like barbecues a, or just like yeah. fly-ins and like get togethers right. and where like, Hey, you can like three days is tough. Three days it, is tough for a lot of people. It's a bit, it and that's a big commitment. A one day contest would be cool. You come in, you fly once and at the end of the night, you know, whatever, it doesn't have to be a normal structured contest, but there can be some other avenues of like, Hey, come in, you know, regional yeah. four minute free. I like, I'd, I'd go watch that where like, there's just a one day, maybe you get a warm up flight and then, and then a four minute free for like, you know, the, the unlimited people in the region or something. I don't know. I, I mean, and it's funny, you know, I was, dri- I was thinking about this. I was just driving around this, the, today and I thought, why don't we have one day contests? Right. And like, Hey, you show up, you fly, you're free and you go home. Yeah. Like that's pretty cool. Right. Like yeah. if that's what the world has come to, um, like everybody says yeah. golf, golf should be 12 holes, right? Cause 18 holes is just too long. It should be 12 holes. Right. Maybe aerobatic contests today have just gotten too long. And, um, like, but you guys, like the, the membership, listen, the members of the board, they're doing Jim Burke and all the guys, they're doing their best right there. Absolutely. That, that, that whole chart, like as crazy as it is, like it was just them trying, right? Absolutely. They were like, it's better to try and they totally did. Right. hundred percent. And then people are, people like, you're going to. You're gonna tell me I can't fly my plane? I'm like, no, we're not. It was just a, like it was just a fun poster. Like it was like, hey, this is what you might be able. Like, hey, if you own one of these planes, this is might be what you could do, right? And and it was a right idea, wrong execution. And but yeah, like the more and, input you guys give, the better off they are. And we, we talked to Rob Holland about that. Jeff and I both talked to Rob this morning, you know, earlier today about this, you know, and and honestly, and I'll I'll say it publicly, like. We made went meant no ill intention to the IAC uh, when we were talking about this chart. I thought it was great, and I even said it on the podcast. Like, why is this getting more attention than than Rob Holland <laughs> right, winning yeah. the Eric Mueller Trophy? Like, how right. is that happening? Well, and and it's like it's it is you know if that chart had been made perfectly, nobody would have talked about it. And there there is something about that where like it would have just kind of gone by the way. It would have been something the IAC posted, and and a few people would have looked at it. And it, I, I don't know that it would have gotten a lot IAC of engagement. Almost has to steer that direction of like keeping people on their toes and maybe making a joke out of certain like i think it'd be hysterical yeah. hopefully we don't have a lot of listeners but they should make another chart and post it on april fool's day and make it even worse yeah, so, yeah. you know yeah <laughs> so I, I think you know like they need they that. need your help right where there's there's talk about like hey the stole competitions like everybody thinks stole competitions are cool i'm like they are the most boring thing in the entire planet i tried to watch the one online right? at sun and Fa- at lakeland this december i'm like huh I don't get it. Like, 
how yeah. short this is going to happen. Like, short. like, right? Like, okay, that's cool, whatever. And yeah. but like, but people like it. But so, it's a thing. It, yeah, no, it's, it's like a, it's they a have thing. They right? added a class to it at, uh, at Reno for for stole yeah. drags, and it's like, right. why can't aerobatics be incorporated? You know, and that's exactly. kind of where I thought. You know, I guess we could take this like a million different um you know left and right turns but when when red bull and i want to talk about red bull too shit we could talk to you all night <laughs> um yeah, I know, when, you know when we red bull kind of we might have to do a part two absolutely he's <laughs> got a flight tomorrow <laughs> um when when red bull kind of stood down i was like you know uh there was like rumors of another energy company coming in and it was all just just uh, unsubstantiated rumor but I was like, you know, it'd be really cool if something could be incorporated to where this was maybe on the air show circuit, even on a national level. Because I, yeah. I mean, just I'm a huge, huge fan of, of Red Bull and air racing and stuff like that. You know, competition uh, flying could be something similar to where, you know, this could be brought a little like, you know, maybe bridge the gap and, and have it yeah. not be an air show, but make it to where it's more accessible and, and kind of more visible you know yeah and streaming and down, like that's where it's at right watching aerobatics from yeah. inside the cockpit and like holy cow it's, it's unbelievable right unbelievable like, yeah. why it doesn't get that's sold more was, and it's just yeah yeah you're, that's why i was you're preaching like, to the choir boys yeah hell yeah no it's yeah. it's a problem that needs to be solved for sure you know and there's also an element too where you know like i i look at the amount that jeff puts in and um there's an element in me where i'm like and I don't know how many other people feel this way. Maybe nobody else does, and, and it's just me. Uh, wouldn't be the first time I'm the only one that's felt a certain way about something. <laughs> but you know, I I don't I don't want to disrespect the sport by dabbling my toes in. You know what I mean? Like I really feel like you know this is such a sport uh, on the on you know on the high level competition side of things where the the level of commitment, financial and and blood, sweat, and tears, and um, you know that process, you know. It almost does feel a little bit like, um, you know, I don't, I don't know how to describe it. Where, where I'm like, I'm not, I'm not taking it seriously. If I'm just, if I'm just going to do a contest or two a year, like I'm, I'm kind of yeah, doing it to- a disservice. Dude, I think you're totally wrong. For me, I'd be like, I know. put the sportsman sequence up on the panel, fly it a few times, go to Delano or wherever, and have a blast. And you know, you know what's going to happen? You're going to do a one and a half turn spin instead of a one turn spin. You're going to fly the whole thing that second half of the sequence backwards. <laughs> Everybody's going to laugh yeah. at you. You're going to make zeros. Guess what? We've all done it, and that's kind of part of the fun, right? And like, sure. I'm sad that the IAC gives that impression to people that like it's too serious, right? It's like it's it's it shouldn't be that way. Well, and I don't know. I don't. I I don't know that I would. I'm not sure that it's the IAC's fault. So I don't know whose fault it is. It might be my own thing. Because right. um, on one hand, like I said, I, I, I the comp, the competitive thing, like um, I wouldn't show up to a competition and take it too seriously. Um, I, I, I'd show up to have fun and, and, and hang out. And, and the flying would be similar to like how I treat Warbird flying. It would be, you know, the flying would be on the side. It, it, it's really I'm there to hang out and have fun and, right. yeah. and have this community. Because like I, that part is so important. I mean – there is these these really weird elements of the IAC where like you can feel so isolated as an aerobatic pilot where you you really don't feel connected to anybody sometimes and I yeah, I can't figure that out for the life of me. Bridge that gap. I think I, I, I think that if we put I hope it has to more you know and it's a free I mean somewhat free but I don't know I mean it's just why not at this point why not why not try Facebook 
know, yeah. The, uh, no, the aerobatic pilots page on on Facebook is you know it's it, I think that's a for as much as there's memes and and bullshit like it is a good resource and and hopefully people can can use it and have gotten info off of it and I don't know it's just one of those many elements that that kind of yeah just make make it more visible and and, and to people for people to feel more connected and um you know these other organizations where there isn't a contest you know. I, I think a lot of it is like it is as simple as like pancake fly-ins and hamburgers and get-togethers and stuff that's outside of like um you know of um of of handling uh business right like the chapter meetings are there's a lot of uh, there's stuff to attend to right there's a, there's meeting right. minutes and 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 agendas and stuff like that whereas like how often aside from a contest and a chapter meeting are you guys doing something fun Right. Uh, as a chapter, you know, I think like our chapter has like a pool party once a year. So, okay. That, uh, you know, that's once a year you guys are having kind of a, you know, off the record fun type of thing to, yeah. for me, that's not enough. Um, right. I want to see more fun, more connecting, more maybe community building stuff like that, working with the community, especially like at the local airport level, you know, we all have issues with noise and <laughs> working yep. with APAs and <laughs> flying aerobatics where we, where we where we're supposed to and stuff like that. I don't know. I think that all kind of, kind of goes hand in hand to um, be more involved yeah, and more connected. Of, lot, I think there's a lot of obstacles to overcome, but I think enough people out there are willing and you it's know, doable definitely, um, on board. Definitely. Yeah. On board. I think it's great. Yeah. And I think you guys need to be, you need to be vocal and you need to talk to you guys know who's on the board and, um, and you know, Britt Lincoln is another one. She's sort of yep. like super engaged and enthused, and you know, like the and Jim and like just work with those guys and Debbie and all of the people that have been around for a long time. They don't I think they see that it's broken, but they don't know. And I, I think I'm kind of part of that as well, right? And and um, I just when I was competing in the beginning man, I had, there was such an innocence about the whole sport, right? It was like, because back then everybody was building airplanes. Sport aerobatics was half as much about, oh, look at this mod. Doug Dodge was building wood wings, wood covered uh, wings for, for pit specials and, you know, all this stuff. And it was half building and, and then the other half flying and, um, you don't, the building part is gone now, right? You don't see that anymore. Now it's just everybody buys airplanes and flies them and, um and i think people are just, like they're so afraid to post videos now like uh, i tried doing something on facebook where it was like post your shittiest maneuver and do it and like <laughs> it just didn't, never went and never went because everybody's like i don't want to post shitty uh, this might affect my national score well that's like, like every maneuver like, that stop. matt chapman did yeah exactly like if you want a lesson just go on matt chapman's facebook it's funny yeah on, on how to do <laughs> shitty maneuvers <laughs> <laughs> but yeah um, i mean even when like I don't know. There's some there's some guys that posted some really shitty flying, and it was great because they was just like, you know, no ego, and you know that they were doing it because they love flying. They don't really care what anybody else thinks, and they're just having a good time. And that's what it needs to be yep. about. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. <sighs> well, good totally luck, boys. We're all counting on you. Oh my gosh. Oh, well, if it's up to us, we're in real trouble. Let's <laughs> tell Mike right. and told us to do it. <laughs> Mike, how much how much longer can we keep you? I know it's late there. Um, no, I'm, I'm like, listen. I, I could talk this stuff all day long, so I don't want to bore you guys. But you're not um, you're not boring us. You know, one of the things Mike, you guys Mike, did talk about. I'm in New York. I'm exhausted. All right, you're a loser. Um, you're yeah. a loser. God. Loser, New Yorker, Light weenie, Light weenie. Weight. 
Get your shine box. Come on. Yeah, can you give us one word in a Boston accent? What's your favorite? <laughs> I, can't, I can't do it anymore. Like, it's gone now. Oh, my God. Um, that sucks. Do you go to, like, family dinners and they're like, they don't even want to talk Oh, my to God. My over, mother right? is, like, insane. <laughs> my mother has the thickest Boston accent. Hey, Dia, oh, how, really? was you, how was your... Dia, how was your time down in Louisiana? <laughs> were, you, were you there with Kevin? Yeah, Mom, I was. How is he doing? Good. Did he get that new car? Yeah, he did, Ma. So that, my God, that car's awesome. It's got so much horsepower. I've seen it's one of those, wicked you know, cool. Like, it's <laughs> wicked pisser. It is wicked pisser. I tell you, Mike. I tell you, Michael, I really miss you flying at Statica. <laughs> oh, oh, shit, man. God. Dude. You're fucking amazing. I can't believe you're on our show. Legend. I'm sure. We're Come on. Give me a people. break. I lo- like seriously. I I totally um I love it. This is like this is what we do, man. It's uh I feel so much a part of this like you guys all do and you talked about the other day. I'll I'll leave you with one story. We can do another Red Bull Air Race talk one another time. But you you talk about people I thought you were going to leave us with doing a quarter roll up and a bonanza. Oh my God, Coleman! Like <laughs> Jesus Christ, he's like, oh God, you guys. So we're, we're that was sitting, the best. We're sitting in this kitchen, right? And he's like, "Dude, I'm like what?" He goes, "Look at this." And I walk over, and he's got his GoPro, and he's like, "Total self love going on here." And he pulls up, and I'm like, "Dude, it's a quarter roll." And he's like, "Yeah, but it's in a bonanza." And I'm like, "It's still a quarter roll." <laughs> like he's like shut up Gooley. and i'm like hey sorry he was so impressed with himself sorry, i'm like marion cole probably would have done a half roll <laughs> yeah. why don't you try a snap in two laundrons and then talk to me right yeah exactly <laughs> yeah exactly um no like hey talk about leadership and stuff right in this because like that's a lot about this whole sport like how are we going to get the ic back on track and how do we make People that are people that are leaders and get new people in the sport. It's funny. Um, so when I was when I was just starting, I had a book of like a like every young fifteen year old kid that's in, that's in love with whatever sports or something else. Yeah. I cut out all of these articles and pictures of Leo Loudenslager and I taped them and pasted them into this book. Right, and for me, Leo Loudenslager was a bigger than life character and like i just wanted to be like that guy i had never seen him fly i had never seen videos of him but i had an image in my mind right and like the guy was larger than life and um it's a little weird we say in the air show business it's a place where your heroes become your friends and um leo was a hero and i remember i started to go to the icast convention and at the end of one of the conventions, Leo was walking down the hall and I was at the other end of the hall and I literally moved like to the side of the wall so that like he could pass me like, oh my God, here comes the man, oh right? And God. like I was too afraid to like look him in the eye or to say anything. How old were you here? Oh, it would have been 1990. So 22. Wow. Yeah, uh, yeah, twenty one, twenty two, and I'm like, there's so Leo, you're like, like I just can't, like, speak, like I, I, right now. Yeah, I can't, I can't look at him. I can't talk to Leo loud. So are you shitting me? And yeah, 
for the craziest thing was that, that and the ICAST convention is the first week of December every year. And it was before Christmas and um, I was I was living at my parents' house and I was flying corporate airplanes and flying um, my pits and, and trying to build up a bunch of money to, to buy a monoplane. And I can remember the phone rings. And my dad's like, Michael, it's for you. And it's like December 15th or 18th or something like that, right? It's a week <laughs> or so after Oshka, after ICAS. And I'm like, hello? He goes, Michael? Like, uh-huh. He goes, it's Leo Lobenseiger. Like, oh hello, God. sir. <laughs> hello, Whoa. sir. He's like, I just want you to know that you're doing all of the right stuff. And then you just keep doing what you're doing. And you're doing great. And I'm like, uh, wow. Oh, oh, Okay, sir. Thanks <laughs> yeah. very much, Leo. And he's like, "You have a great Christmas." And I'm like, "Oh, I too. will." <laughs> and I'm like, and I hung up the phone, and I'm like, "Oh my God, Leo Loudensager, for whatever reason, thought to call me to say, hey, 'Hey, I've noticed you. Keep it up.' What a and real, like, a real mentor and a real like, holy uh, shit, it, yeah, it, yeah." It lit a fire under me for like years. Wow. Right. That's and so, yeah, I mean, and I think that, so that goes a long way. And, you know, and, and, you know, Kevin's always making fun of me. Why do you, why do you want all these boards, Gulen? You know, you're on 56 boards. 55 boards would have been fine. I'm like, you know why? Because, because <laughs> <laughs> like, inspiring. Leo gave me the inspiration and the opportunity and, as he did with Leo, I mean, as he did with Sean and other people and and Charlie Hiller did it with Sean and all those things. And so it's up to us because we love our sport and we love all this stuff. Like if we see something that we care a lot about, like find it, fix it, engage it, like with the IC and stuff. Like shit, we, we participate in the greatest sport on the planet. Like who gets to oh, do this incredible. stuff, right? Mm -hmm. It's like Formula One drive. And the, the planes are insane. Who else, who gets to go and fly these things on the weekends? They're insane. And, and so we've got to protect what we love, right? I think that's the biggest thing yeah. to do and, uh -huh. and, and by we talk encouraging about it on the more podcast. people. Yeah, we talk about it a lot on the podcast and, and we know that you've done an incredible part in, in engaging the youngsters. But, you know, there's there's a lot of great, you know, pilots out there, even I'm sure in the Warbird community that a lot of people look up to and yep. – getting a phone call from somebody who is an idol or, you know, that you've looked up to not to re be repetitive is it goes. So it's life changing in, in a lot mm -hmm. of cases and it sounds super yep. cliche, but Oh my God, like I ever, you know, I'm not going to reiterate what I've said on the podcast, you know, X amount of times, but I've gotten like a phone call from somebody and it was like, Oh my God, like this is like, I could die and go to heaven at this point. It's incredible. Yeah. Oh, and, um, I can I can count those. I mean, for the people that do it to either up and coming or people that that um, are admired by them, like they they wouldn't remember the the moment, right? But I mean, I, I still I I got an email back from Sean Tucker about the stars of tomorrow. Like I emailed him and he he like sent me a, a personalized email back about the stars of tomorrow, and I was like, holy shit! Like he wrote me an email. Like <laughs> I just can't believe he wrote me an email. You know, and uh, all, he will never remember that, but I'll never forget it. And so there's yeah. there's just countless instances of those, you know, that kind of yeah. um, leadership and, and, and mentorship and 
oh, it's so important, you know, to have to have heroes in this sport and then to be able to meet them and then to transition to heroes. I mean, you transitioned into a hero to a lot of people um, and, and Leo was your hero. You know, it's just it's, yeah. it's so cool, it, you know, and um, it, it's cool to kind of see the, the new stars now how, you know, they go from, you know, they kind of come up from the bottom and, and then they become they become the hero. It's really, yeah. really cool. And not to be cheesy about it, but it is really cool. This is a pretty heavy way to end this whole thing. But like, you know, we, we are all, whether we compete <laughs> or fly air shows or just go out and have a blast in our airplanes on the weekend, we're all aerobatic pilots and we all speak the same languages and we all have the same things. And and we should all be trying to help the sport sort of survive, right? And, 100%. Uh, yeah. I think it's a big deal. Huge. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Mr. Goulian, well, what an honor. Um, Mikey G to you, please. Mikey G. Um, Petro has to call me. Uh, I don't know what he has to call me, but I can't believe he wants to go to sure. bed already. I thought like sure. this was your thing. Oh, He's such God. a loser. He has like nine man. kids. He's a loser. Oh my God. I'm, um, yeah, I am a big loser. What can I say? Mike, I if you could spend a couple minutes, you know, you want to give a shout out to the uh, to your sponsors and 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 kind of let us know, you know, give shout outs to what you're doing and promote your stuff, and um, we'll get you to bed. Well, I don't. You know what? Like, we we talked about him already, and and. Um, yeah, you know, I have to tell you, like, it's interesting. Without sponsorship, I wouldn't fly your shows, right? Because, like, it doesn't make money. How Rob Holland does it, I have no idea. My hat's off to the guy. Like, he works all day uh, coaching people and then flying their shows and then flying himself. And it's uh, it's hard. I have the ultimate respect for him. You know, a lot of the people in the air show business are doing it just as a hobby. And so... Uh, I'm like I said before. I'm I'm thankful that I get to do this. I'm thankful for all my sponsors and because they believe in me and they believe in what we're trying to do. And I think that's the cool thing. So, dudes, thanks for having me on here. We have to have a we can have another whole Red Bull Air Race discussion someday because that could take up another I think we're two gonna and a do, half hours. I think we're gonna do a two a two part here and get <laughs> you know maybe we'll get you and Chapman on and you guys could finally have a truce over this. Forgive each other <laughs> over the There'll beef. Be no truce with Chapman. <laughs> no, but we we definitely no have to do we have to do a Red Bull episode. I'm, I can't believe it. I we're we're 150 minutes in and counting in this thing, and we've and we, we haven't even really. Topic. I wanted to no. ask Michael about Nick Nillmeyer too. Oh my oh, god! Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so, th- there's another. Yep. So That's if you could just topic. you know maybe come back like, maybe like once a week and you know yeah let's do it I'm ready <laughs> and no I love like you know it's He's funny plenty I, of free time. I, you're not doing yeah, anything yeah yeah, yeah, yeah you're not busy right I'm, I'm not doing anything no yeah. I'm not doing anything um that's why <laughs> I bugged you guys I'm like I'm like boys we gotta do it now or we're never gonna do it until October so like let's but oh my god like I just love talking aerobatics and I love talking about all of this stuff because I think um, everybody's I, gonna love hearing that you still love talking about aerobatics oh it's, it's oh awesome stories where people fall in love with it but you definitely still love the shit out of it oh, well yeah. it's fun. like I, I tell you the um, rob holland and i were were out west visiting the thunderbirds oh i don't know a couple weeks ago and um talking with their leader the slot guy and the lead solo about formation flying and the thunderbirds now that they've had a year of really not really flying too many air shows they have become like unbelievable students of the art of flying formation and you like to listen to those guys talk about formation it's like 
us talking about combat. It was like, oh my God, these guys are like, they're not military guys in F-16s. They're formation pilots, like talking about so, like, oh, it was just, it was insane. I sat there, I was like, man, I could listen to these guys chat for five hours. They were just, they're like aerobatic pilots, just like the rest of us. We're chatting. They just happen to be doing it in F-16. And man, those guys, like, it was so cool. And, you know, aerobatic flying is aerobatic flying, no matter what it was in. And those guys are like so engaged in what they're doing right now as quote airshow pilots, which is really fun. Like they're just so great. They've just got the right chemistry of a bunch of people on there. And man, the boss is like, we want to be better and the best. And the slot guy is like, he's a super geek from, um, Embry Riddle, that's just a flying, wow. flying phenom, and they just got it all. It's so cool, and you know, Rob and I were like, "Oh my god, that was so fun!" And I love it doesn't it. even have to be something like I don't know anything about flying formation in F sixteen, but listening to these guys chat about airshow flying, like, oh my god, it was so cool. There is kind of a uh, a language, right? I mean, it's just where you just start you start to speak, and you're like, "I, I get this. I may not do it, yeah. but I, I get it. I'm picking up what you're throwing down, and I love it." <laughs> yeah, it's very cool. It's very. I cool. love it. All right, Mikey All right, boys, G. Looking forward to looking forward to the Round. videos. Looking forward to your air show flying. Really pumped, man. And yeah, good luck with the season for 2021, and uh, yeah, we can't wait to have you back over. on. Yeah, we got. Yeah. It. We have to talk about Nick Nilmeyer and some Red Bull stuff. Yeah, well, uh, and, uh, we're gonna we're gonna hold you to the fire. We'll we'll, uh, we'll we'll um we'll stay in touch and we'll get you back on to talk about Red Bull and and Nick and and gosh, I mean, so many other things. Um, yeah, yeah, that'd yeah. be fun. We, we've All already right. got like three other podcasts lined up for you. <laughs> oh my god, I love. What, I hope. I hope this wasn't boring. You said Chapman's was the best. I'm like that pisses me off. All right, we'll have to have a better one. <laughs> so, beat but him again. Uh, well, yeah, we're gonna beat him again. Beat his ass. To, yeah, you're gonna have to get him on there and like admit that I won. Um. All right, you okay. guys, love what you're doing. Thanks for having me. Have a good night, Thanks, Mike. Mike. We'll talk soon. Love yeah. Man. Ciao, guys. Love you okay. too. Bye. 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 Thank you for listening to another episode of Fly Cool Shit. Be sure to check out our website at www.flycoolshit.com. Subscribe, rate, and review the show on iTunes and Spotify. Any questions, comments, or feedback, shoot us an email at flycoolshit at gmail.com. 